from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You know what it is, folks. It's a Thursday, TGIT, and we are having some fun here on a Thursday like we always do. We have fun Monday through Friday because Monday's not a bad day. There's no day that's a bad day here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora because it's about having fun. It's about enjoying life. It's about making the most of it and being good to yourself and being good to the people that love you. So have yourselves a great time. Have yourselves a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in. And when in doubt, always be the bigger person. So let's get into the morning menu. We got a lot to talk about. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Here in the morning menu for today's broadcast on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. You know how we do it on a Thursday. It starts off with Papa Joe's picks. Papa Joe came back very recently here. We've missed him. See, I've talked to him. I talk to him almost every day, but... The fans were used to every single Thursday, and they were missing it, jonesing for it, needed it. They got it back. So Papa Joe's coming up in just a second. And then right after that, in the first hour of the show, back on the show. Speaking of coming back, Katie Kalinske, she wanted you to miss her a little bit. Coachwood Class is back with Katie Kalinske, where we will be discussing Brianna Stewart's MVP championship run with the Seattle Storm after being a four-time champion with the UConn Huskies in college and doing great things here in Central New York for Cicero North Syracuse, who I've built a very strong relationship with covering CNS and having them every month at Chick-fil-A Cicero like we did this week with the girls' soccer team. Shout out to all of them. So we have a lot to talk about with Katie Kalinske. We'll also talk about Syracuse FSU's football game and so much more, including the NBA. And in the second hour of the show, you know it's the Fantasy Football Power Hour featuring Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and myself, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Penn and Trophy Center. So that's all that's coming up. Before we get there, we must go here. It is the only intro that I do live every single week, and that is welcoming into the show Papa Joe. What's up, Papa Good Jay? Good morning, Daniel. How are you in, in sunny FLA? I miss it already. Very good. Yeah, we enjoyed you. Enjoyed you stay here. I'm sure you're. You're keeping. Are you coming back this weekend? I, I got. I got to see. There's. There's a, a game, and then there's a game on Saturday. There's an a something coming up on Monday. There's an event on Monday, and the game on Sunday. So, it it would be. A, it would be like a 17 hour turnaround, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Yeah, so it'd be pretty crazy. But we were down. I was down there. We're gonna start with this. I was down there, obviously covering. My officially my tenth year of covering on site on location the Jacksonville Jaguars and had the opportunity to see the Jaguars face the Patriots for the first time since the AFC Championship game and they win this game instead of what happened the last time when they faced off in January they win this game thirty one to twenty going away never trailed in the game thoughts on the Jaguars victory over the Patriots Papa Joe. Well, 
uh, an astounding success. Uh, I, I think that it was a nationally televised game, too, because it was about 425 in the afternoon. I think the country finally can see what this team is made of and what, is, what the possibilities are in the future. Uh, we always say this, Coughlin has built this team uh, the way he used to build the Giants and, frankly, back 20 years ago when he had the Jaguars. Uh, even with Fournette out, strong running game, Bortles played out of his head, uh, defense was wonderful. They controlled the line of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmages, and it was it was fun to watch and it was fun to root for. Uh, I think the country now understands what you and I have been talking about all last year is their legitimate title. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think I think that you know going off of what you said, you know, they're definitely getting on and being able to be showcased live to the country to have that 425 start you know they they come out on a victory monday in some of the rankings ranked the number one team in the country out of 32 power rankings wise and i would imagine that having the game on for everybody to see helped create that because it was all over the place but you know speaking of somebody who wasn't all over the place mr blake bortles he had four touchdowns to only one interception and that interception, Austin Safarian Jenkins blamed on himself. Now, Blake threw into double coverage, but Austin, you know, he got his hands on the ball. He blamed that on him, said that was all me. And outside of that, Blake Bortles, 377 yards. His completion percentage wasn't as high. He was 29 of 45, I believe. But, you know, in the game, in and of itself, four touchdowns. And he was able to run the ball like he always does. What do you think about his performance? Because pretty much in every single piece of his performance, he outplayed Tom Brady in the game. Absolutely, he did. Uh, he threw with precision. He scrambled when he needed to. He ran when he needed to. He called a good game. He and Hackett. Uh, they involved everyone. Uh, I love the way TJ uh, carried the ball and caught the ball in the backfield. Blake saw the field. He checked, his, he checked down all the time. He was going sometimes to his third and fourth option. He was perfect. Offensive line did a great job uh, defending for him, keeping him in that pocket. When he had to run, he ran. He did a wonderful job. He should be proud of his effort. Speaking here with Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We do this every Thursday to start the show. Blake, just, just to give some numbers on the game here, you know, Blake Bortles, I gave you his already. But Brady was 24 for 35 and 234 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He did fumble the ball and lost the fumble thanks to Dante Fowler. But the two touchdowns that he had came later on in the game. Keelan Cole led all Jaguars receivers with 116 yards. Four different players got into the end zone. So not even Blake Bortles throwing four touchdown passes. He threw it to four different players. Keelan Cole, Dante Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. D.D. got a massive block in the field, which was huge for him. And I believe by Keelan Cole, Dante Moncrief had a touchdown in the beginning of the game where he was blanketed by Stephon Gilmore of the Patriots, turned around in the, in the perfect timing moment, caught the ball right over Stephon Gilmore, and tapped his feet down to stay in bounds. Keelan Cole had a big-time touchdown in the game, and Austin Safarian Jenkins had a touchdown as he was coming across the end zone from the middle to the left side. So what can you say about not only Blake throwing four touchdown passes, but doing it the way he did to four different receivers? 
the kids look really good. Uh, there's going to be a future with these kids on this team. I've, I've always said that I love Westbrook, the way he can stretch the field, and he showed it. Uh, good block by Coles on that way. He could, couldn't have got around the corner without it. But, you know, once this kid gets in the open, it's over with. And Coles also, too. Uh, they showed a lot of they showed a lot of maturity this last Sunday. Uh, they should be proud of their efforts, too. When the, ball, uh, when the ball's in the air, the kids go up and get it. They did a wonderful job. Uh, I love the big tight end. God, is he huge. I didn't think he was that big. He's just a beast. Uh, he, he did drop that ball, though, coming across the middle, though, but that, that's okay. I mean, he played a good game otherwise. Uh, he's a big blocking tight end uh, that can catch the ball. Not too many of those besides Gronk in the, in the, in the NFL. Uh, Brady did, you know, Brady's going to be Brady. Brady got his yards in, in garbage time, uh, frankly. Uh, Gronk wasn't an, uh, wasn't uh, – uh, in the game, frankly, uh, they may may have had some plays for him, but he was blanketed pretty much. Linebackers and defensive backs had him covered pretty much. Uh, so it was an all-around good team effort. And Bortles did a wonderful job finding his receivers. As I'd studied earlier, he checked down a few times if he had to toss the ball to Grant or Yeldon. He did, uh, but he did a good job in his reads. Yeah, speaking here with Papa Joe on that Jaguars game. The Jaguars get the victory 31-20. to And here's the irony of it. Ten years ago, on almost the decade anniversary of it, the Jaguars lost to the Patriots 31-20. to So they were able to, ten years later, get the dub. And as I wrote a story this week about it, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to those of you playing the home game and wanting to know what's going down, they had never won. They had never won against the Patriots in the regular season, had never won a game against the Patriots in the regular season. The only time that they had beat them was in the playoffs back in 1999, which was 19 years and I I believe eight months ago from between then and now. 1999, they beat them in the playoffs, never beat them in the regular season in 13 tries. They've only beaten them twice, and this is the second time almost two decades later. What does that say about the team right now? They've made huge improvement over last year. Uh, I frankly thought that Brady was going to pull this out, uh, not while the game was being played, because while the game was being played, the Jaguars dominated the line of scrimmages. Uh, but, you know, Brady's going to be Brady. Uh, chances are that maybe when they go up to New England, it'll be a little bit different. Uh, but the Jaguars showed a lot of poise, a lot of maturity. They did a wonderful job, totally. Total team effort. Special teams, defense, of course. It all starts with the defense. They harassed him. Fowler did a what a great play to Flower. Fowler made on Brady, stripping the ball and then covering it. So, but you know Brady's going to be Brady, and he's going to be thrown for a million yards. So it doesn't matter. You just got to keep him. You just got to keep him off the field, as we always say. You can't give Brady thirty-five or forty minutes on a field because he'll score fifty points. Keep him off the field with a good, strong running game and a tough defense. Did Brady, in your opinion, though, in this game, did he ever, you know, yeah, he threw a couple touchdowns late in the game when the when the Jaguars were up, but did Brady, in your opinion, ever truly look like Brady in this game? He wasn't comfortable. He wasn't comfortable. I think that's because of the, the penetration of the of the line. Uh, and I think the, the defensive quarter for the Jags had a, a good game plan going. He used the linebackers. He used the, the defensive backs perfect. Um, and we thought that Ramsey maybe would, would be matched up against Gronk a few times, but that didn't happen. So I don't think I don't think he was comfortable from the get go. 
So uh, that that you know you don't say that too often about Brady. Brady can usually figure things out, but again, keeping him off the field is the big thing. I think at the beginning to start the third quarter, I think the Jags had to run for what seven and a half minutes and kick the field goal. Yeah, the Jaguars t- took the ball away for ha- exactly half of the third quarter. You know, and, and he's sitting there on the bench. He hasn't played through the the halftime, so he's sitting there for forty five minutes not playing football. So keep him on the bench. He's uncomfortable when he's on the bench. <laughs> well, because he's not in control. And if you see when he was on the bench, he's yelling on the bench. There was there was some film that came out of him yelling, uh, I believe, do your job. And then Josh McDaniels is screaming at everybody. I said Jaguars fans had to love what was happening on the field, but also what was happening off the field. Because when you piss Brady off and he doesn't win the game, that's a rarity. And, you know, I said, you know, some people say, hey, act like you've been there, this, that, and the other. The Jaguars haven't been there. They haven't beaten the Patriots in almost 20 years, never done it in the regular season, were really pissed off because they believed like it was their game and, and it was their game to lose, and I agree with that being on site at the game in Foxborough back in this past AFC Championship game in 2018. So this was one of those moments that they were trying to do something that almost nobody does in the regular season. It's not like the Patriots lose 10 games or 5 games. I mean, this this is a team that wins 13, 14 games a season, 12 games a season. So, you know, the Jaguars are going to be on a short list no matter what. But I find it very, very interesting that on the sidelines, the offensive coordinator and Mr. Tom Brady himself seem to be a little bit frustrated and a little bit upset, which, you know, Patriots fans would say makes sense, but the Jaguars got them on their heels and the Jaguars got under their skin in this game. And they never they never let up. Uh, each time they came out, each time the defense came out, they played tough, they played smart, they played strong. As we said, Brady was not comfortable, and he was, you know, when he can sit back there for five minutes and not find an open receiver, that says something about the defense. I mean, when you give Brady five seconds, he's going to he's going to make some passes and score some points. So kudos to the defensive team on a brilliant effort this year. That coming from Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks right now. I want to make uh, another uh, two other notes here on the Jaguars before we get to college football. The Jaguars went ten for fourteen on third down, seventy one point four percent. A coach will usually tell you to be above forty forty percent or better is good. They were 71.4%, while the defense held the Patriots to 4 for 12, 33%. Thoughts about third down and what the Jaguars were able to do. And keep in mind, they were 71% on third down without Leonard Fournette the entire game. They did a great job. Great, great, great job. Uh, defense just played out of their out of their trees. I mean, it was, it was great to watch and fun to watch also. My, my other question to you is, now that they've defeated them, and not to, you know, fast forward, but just to argument's sake, I believe the Patriots and the Jaguars, I said this going into the season, are the two best teams in the AFC to make it to the Super Bowl. So if they do meet each other again, wherever they may meet each other, what do you think about the ability to beat a team twice in a season? People always say is a hard thing to do. You know, the, the Jaguars win this game, but what does that do for the game potentially in the future? Do you believe that a team can beat the Patriots twice, and, and could this Jaguars team beat them twice in one season? Yes, they can beat them twice, but you got to remember who you're dealing with. You're dealing with probably the best quarterback that's ever played the game. You're dealing with a curmudgeon who's won a million 
titles. I mean, he's he's going to put if, if they meet again in the future, Belichick will have something in mind for for the Jaguars. Uh, Josh McDaniel is going to come up, have to come up with a better uh, game plan offensively for Brady, but uh, Brady won't forget this game. Not not at all. Neither will Belichick. So those two together, you know, there was a book. There's a book out now that's uh, it's very uh, condescending to both Belichick and and Brady. Uh, it was written by someone on ESPN or Sports Illustrated. I can't remember which one, but it's going to be released on. Uh, January or on, on September 25th, and actually inside it describes the culture about uh, uh, the relationship between Belichick and Brady. And some assistant coaches said that, you know, we have such a great system here that we can take any quarterback from the 32 teams, put them in our system, and they're going to be all right. Which you know tells me that that's kind of a slap in the face to one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played the game. So. You know, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of going on in, in New England that we don't know about and we don't read about down here. So, um, but I wouldn't put it past those guys to come up with a, a better game plan against Jaguars next time, next time they see them. That coming from Papa Jay as as the Jaguars win thirty one to twenty this past weekend. I was on site on location for the game, interviewed the players, and once again, I want to give a special thanks to everybody that was a part of the show: Austin Safarian Jenkins, Niles Paul, T.J. Yeldon. I also want to thank, I mean, there was uh, Donald Payne was also a part of the show. So we had some great guys come on to the broadcast. Appreciate them very much so. And, uh, and DJ Chark was on the show first time and Dante Moncrief as well. So a big thanks to all the Jaguars that spent some time with me after this win over the New England Patriots. So big ups to that. To the college game, I went back and was watching some film here this morning on some of those college teams and uh, one of the one of the <laughs> one of the games I had to go back and watch the tape on was Alabama. Now Alabama just played recently in a game where they went down 7 to nothing early on. However, Alabama responded by winning the game 62 to 7. Now they poked the bear and Papa Joe, you and I talked about this before. You said that the worst thing old miss could do was to score on their opening drive. Why was that the worst thing? Nick Saban's brilliant. And Nick Saban's looking and he's watching and he's checking with his defensive coordinators and everything. And he, he sees this play. And I wouldn't be, I don't think we saw this on TV, but I'll guarantee he chewed some people out. And that sort of, that sort of raised, uh, uh, raised the level to, to their play. And uh, you just can't, you just can't beat him. I mean, one play is not going to beat Nick Saban, not going to beat his team. Uh, he's, he's extremely dangerous uh, coach to coach against, and Mississippi found out they should have never scored first. And they they score. Metcalf gets a, a touchdown and goes down, tight ropes it down, and then the response by the Alabama Crimson Tide is 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 insane. Damian Harris scores on the next play. Then Jerry Judy scores after that. Then Najee Harris scores. Then Irv Smith Jr. scores 28-7 after the first quarter. Then they score three touchdowns in the second quarter, a field goal and a touchdown in the third quarter. And a four. you kind of see how they slow it down. It's kind of like being in a Lamborghini and knowing that there's a cop a few miles ahead and slowing it down in the sense of they turn it on right after that touchdown came from Ole Miss. They scored four touchdowns, then three. Then they had one touchdown, a field goal, then a field goal. It was just like slowly shutting down the engine, shutting the engines off. 
This team went insane. You wouldn't think that Ole Miss was 2-0 coming into this game by any stretch of the imagination. Alabama embarrassed an SEC team. This is not 62-7 over East Bumbletucky's New Jersey, Missouri of Appalachian State. This is Ole Miss. So, you know, we know that Alabama is head and shoulders above everybody else, but are they better, dare I say it, this year than they were last year? Well, I think they're going to use Tua to uh, to the extent that he can play maybe a half a game and score 50 points, I guess, is what you could say. Then you bring in Hurts. They're so deep at every position that, uh, you know, they're, I always talk to you about five-star and four-star players and three-star players. Bama doesn't have three-star players on their recruiting roster. I've only seen one in the last three years. So, you know, they get the best athletes, and they're put in a system. And the culture at Alabama is Nick Saban from the top down, and everyone does their job. Everyone gets recruited. Everyone has a chance to go to the pros. They're very difficult to to beat. Uh, You know, we talked about this a little bit this weekend. There There are some programs in the country there are some serious problems and some three major major football teams nebraska ucla and florida state are really got some problems uh i'm surprised that nebraska just rolled over uh hasn't won a game yet ucla with chip kelly i'm sort of glad that chip kelly didn't take the florida job thank goodness for dan mullen being there we came real close to getting uh, chip kelly to come to gainesville i'm glad we didn't uh, Florida State, what can you say? I mean, uh, Syracuse's effort this weekend was probably one of the best efforts I've seen in college football in the last five years. Uh, they thoroughly dominated Florida State, both lines both lines of scrimmage. They scored when they needed to, and they got after them on defense. Florida State is not the same kind of team as when Jimbo Fisher was there. But, you know, Jimbo leaving after a 7-6 record has got to tell him something. I don't think he left the cover bare. Uh but it's, it's, it's not as tough as it was before. And Nebraska, UCLA, and, and Florida State are in some serious trouble. Well, yeah, and, and the, thing, the thing about Florida State, and I'm going to be uh, sharing this with everybody in the segment Significant Sound Bites this Friday right before we go into Collectible Corner in the first hour of the show, so make sure you're tuning in on MixLR.com backslash DT between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern Time this Friday, September 21st. I am going to have Willie Taggart on there, my Q&A with Willie Taggart, because I covered Willie when he was at South Florida, and I had him for about three seasons, and there was a time where I thought, they're going to fire Willie Taggart. You know, he's not getting it done at, at South Florida, not winning a lot of games, the team is struggling, they're not really a threat to anybody more often than not, you know, I think he's going to lose his job. And then in a strange turn of events, they gave him an extension that when I thought he was going to get fired, and then he spins around and does what he does and was able to move forward with the team, get the team in good footing, and leave the team in good shape for Charlie Strong to take over. So I, I found it really interesting that Willie Taggart was in a bad way in South Florida and then they gave him an extension, believed in his process. He turned it around. The only issue with Florida State is, do I think that Willie can turn something around again? I do, because he's done it before. But I don't think Florida State fans are going to give him the time, and I don't think the boosters are going to give him the time. I don't think nobody's going to give him three years to do it. I agree. Uh, you know, his overall college football record is not very good. I mean, he's not even 500, I don't think. Uh, he leaves He leaves a good situation in Florida and goes to uh, Oregon, uh, doesn't do much there for a year. Uh, you know, 
Willie Taggart is a fine young man. He's probably a very good coach at Deep Inside. He's a heck of a recruiter. That I know. Uh, I think his his uh, FSU uh, class now I think is rated number eight so far in the country. So he's he's getting athletes to believe in him and come to come to Florida State. But it's it's more X's and O's and coaching than than anything else now. And I don't think he's got it. Um, I don't think he's got it. And you're you're correct in, in saying that the Florida State people are not going to give him a lot of time. Uh, you go back to the days of Bobby Bowden. Hell, when Bobby had a 9-2 and two record date, boom. So he's uh, – Willie's is in for a tough job. I don't know how patient the people are going to uh, stay with him, but if they do buy him out, it's going to cost them several million dollars to do that. So, you know, the next couple of – Next couple of weeks for Willie Taggart is going to be real, real important because he's got a chance of losing uh, five or six games here in a row. Now, of course, they're playing a cupcake tomorrow or this this weekend, but after that, they they got some tough games. And uh, there's a GoFundMe campaigns that are out there to fire Willie Taggart to to try and raise the money that they need the twenty one point two five million dollars to fire. Willie Taggart, which is which is insane. There is one setup that says don't fire Willie Taggart. I don't know where that money would go if you if you chose not to fire Willie Taggart. But you know, there's it, it's it's very interesting to me that this is what people are doing to try and create a GoFundMe. If only we can get people together to make better decisions than to do this and to start a GoFundMe for better things. But we know that Florida State fans, like you said, they booed Bobby Bowden when Bobby Bowden was doing well. You know, they they got on Jimbo Fisher and the and the team to the point where Jimbo Fisher made a comment in the media about it. And I think that ultimately, not that it made him leave, but I think it didn't help him stay. You know, so I mean FSU fans, they want to be national contenders. They want to beat Clemson. They want to be at the top of the Atlantic Division. They want to go to the ACC championship game every single year. And I understand that fervor, that fire, and that desire. At the same time, this man is three games into implementing his offense, and it hasn't worked yet. But if you know Willie Taggart's track record, like he said to me, he said when we were at USF, we didn't have the we didn't have the play. We, we had players that hadn't run the system that I was trying to run. It took time at Florida State. We didn't have the system implemented with the players that I was trying to run in the beginning, so it's going to take time. At Oregon, he said it was a different story. They go fast. That's what they do. They do no huddle. So it was easier for him to have a winning record in his one season at Oregon. So he's claiming, listen, you got to give me some time. You got to let me get there. But the thing about Willie Taggart, if he gets the time, if he gets there, the reality of the Florida State fans are, if this team isn't a national contender every year, they're going to want to fire you every single year because they're kind of like the SEC light in a way. And Clemson now, Florida State now, there's certain teams. I mean, for goodness sakes, Alabama, when they gave up a touchdown on the first drive, the you would have thought the fans just found out that their dog got hit by a car. I mean, it's, it's insane how and and I understand, you know, with greatness comes that expectation, but you know, Florida State fans, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to be a little bit patient. I think that what they're trying to say is listen, we didn't do anything last year in the regular season, so we can't afford to have two in a row. And but Willie Taggart also can't pay for Jimbo Sins. So I mean it's tough because they got four and five star athletes. There's a lot of angles to look at this, Papa Joe. They got the talent to do it. Willie Taggart saying, "I need time." They got mad at Jimbo. They're going to get mad no matter what. It's kind of a you know what show down there in Tallahassee right now. That's right. You know, 
frankly, there's only a, a hand, double handful of teams that can ever win the national championship, uh, Division One teams. And unfortunately, Florida State is not among those teams right now. Perennially, annually, they usually are. But not now, maybe not in the near future. Uh, they're certainly not going to match up with Clemson or NC State or Miami. Uh, Clemson's going to just, Clemson's going to whoop them up real good. Uh, but, you know, Florida State's been there, done that before. Uh, do they want to get back to being one of the best 20, 20 teams in the nation? It's going to take some time. Uh, not, not sure that the war paint up there is uh, going to allow them to do that. Speaking here with Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's Picks, giving you an analysis of the sport of football collegiately and professionally. Papa Jay, we gotta we gotta discuss. You brought up three teams that are really struggling. You said Florida State, Nebraska, and UCLA. Nebraska, I know it's early on. This is another thing with Willie, is that you know it's early. But Scott Frost had a really good thing in UCF, and Josh Heupel took it over, and Josh Heupel's continued to win. Nebraska has been at the bottom of the Big Ten, and Scott Frost took over, and this team is not winning. They're not looking good. They're not scoring points. They're not getting up and down the field. I know it's a couple games in, so I'm not trying to negate my argument with Willie Taggart saying that it takes time, but I'm I'm just I'm asking the question about Scott Frost too because you know he's the quarterback that was there. This is his alma mater. This was a big time story. Nebraska fans were trolling. UCF during the UC, during the championship game of the American Athletic wouldn't even let them play the game before they trolled him and Scott Frost was out of the building within an hour of him giving the press conference right in front of us. So he's in Nebraska. They're zero and two. What do you think? Not looking good. Uh, another situation where he's going to need time to implement his system. Uh, he's uh, he's also a good recruiter. You know, back when he was back down in South Florida here when he and he had that wonderful team that was undefeated. We questioned whether he should go, but if it was anyone else other than his than his alma mater, he probably wouldn't have left. But I think he's got strong ties. He's got urgings that he wants to raise uh, Nebraska to maybe one of the top 20 teams in the in the country. He's got a long way to go. Uh, I'm not sure what his offensive game plan is because I didn't see any I haven't seen any games. We didn't get any games down here. So I know he's open too, but he's not looking real good. I'm not sure that the big red up there is going to give him a, a much of a leash either. And then to speak on another team, the Fresno State Bulldogs went 10 and four last season. The season before that, they went one and 11. So they have been able to flip things for their positive doing, but they played up against a team called UCLA that even though they went from 1-11 to 10-4, and four, Fresno State is not supposed to beat UCLA. And they didn't just beat UCLA. They beat them in UCLA, 38-14, to 14, which means that UCLA has now lost to Cincinnati at home, Memphis at home, and... They have now they've now lost to Fresno State at home. So they're not just losing games to teams they're not supposed to. They're losing games at home to, team, to teams they're not supposed to. And they didn't lose this game by a last-second field goal and an overtime snafu or an official's call. They lost this game by 26 points to Fresno State at home in UCLA. 
Chip Kelly has not, he didn't get it done in Philadelphia. He didn't get it done in San Francisco, and he is not getting it done in UCLA. Thoughts on this? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Um, you know, we read an awful lot in the paper down here that Chip Kelly was really, really strongly considering the University of Florida job. And, of course, I was on his bandwagon because he's a great offensive coach and did this and that and this and that and this and that. And then when he left to go to uh, UCLA, I was a little pissed off. And then Coach Mellon came on, which was fine. So, anyway, uh, you know, Chip, Chip's not as good as he thinks he is. You know, maybe in Oregon he had a situation where he had the perfect situation, great athletes, he had a great system. You know, when he when you got the quarterback sitting back behind the line, it's pitch and catch. You know, it's not anything, uh, you know, not anything really super super brilliant. You know, uh, he then there was an article in the paper or on on the, the internet about I think the father of the quarterback was really very condescending about Chip Kelly and the way he he brings the team together. So, and he really he really lit into the coach. So I'm not sure how Chip is going to handle that because it's a starting quarterback but chip kelly perhaps maybe is not as smart as he thinks he is and he certainly is not as smart as everyone thought he was uh, he was a brutal failure in philadelphia san francisco um i don't know what the answer is to chip over there but of the three games he's lost the one that i thought that he would have lost would be to memphis because they can score points but the other two teams he should have never lost to. so you know, Chip's got a long road to hoe, and if he's got any kind of a buyout like Willie Taggart, it's going to cost him a lot of money to get rid of him. And and pardon me on this, they lost at home to Cincinnati, at home to Fresno State. They lost to Memphis in Memphis, Tennessee. So let me make a, a note on that. So UCLA, I would imagine uh, of all of these coaches, I'm actually going to put the poll up this morning and see what people have to say. Of all of the coaches that we just named, which coach do you think will lose their job first? Willie Taggart, Chip Kelly, or Scott Frost. Oh, that's good. That's going to be fun to listen to that. And what what do you think? What would be your vote at this time? Well, I'm real close to the Tagger situation down here, and I understand the football in Florida. Uh, I, I don't think Willie's going to be one of those, but it's certainly not going to be Scott Frost. I would think that uh, based on what we've seen and what we haven't seen, frankly, from UCLA, it would be Chip Kelly. I would, I would say with you that I think Chip Kelly is going to win this thing going away, but it depends how many fans are mad at Willie Taggart right now because there was I did put up a poll about keeping him or letting him go, and, and there were some fans saying, I give him a little bit more time, and then eventually, you know, toward the end of it all, it swung in the other direction to let him go, even though it's only three games in and the team is one and two. Really quick here, Papa Joe, before we make our picks, I, I got two games I want to ask you about. I know that Georgia is supposed to, to win this game going away against Middle Tennessee, so I'm not going to spend too much time on the Georgia one. So shout out to Georgia. What I wanted to spend time on was Ohio State and TCU because I like TCU. I know they lost in this game. But I do like what I, I like TCU. I like their speed. I like their ability. And then on the Ohio State side, I love Dwayne Haskins. And if people don't know this, Dwayne Haskins was recruited by Syracuse. So, you know, this guy was, was at least on SU's radar. And, you know, people would say he was on everybody's radar. But Syracuse offered him. And I kind of looked in after that. You know, it kind of looked at, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins a little bit here. But he is doing a great job at Ohio State. He's a lot of fun to watch. This game was amazing. I would love to see this game in the college football playoff, Ohio State and TCU. 
I think TCU is better than their 40 to 28 loss. What do you think? I think so too. I really like TCU in this game. I thought for sure uh, that they were gonna that they were gonna pull us out. Uh, you know, you got you got me on a sour note here because I'm not a I'm not a UCL. I mean, I'm not a Ohio State fan uh, because of Urban Meyer. That's just the end of it. You know, I'm not going to say any more about it than that. Uh, but I don't think Ohio State's as good as everyone thinks they are uh, this year for the Big Ten. Their their biggest problem was Wisconsin, and they lost. So Penn State, I don't think they're going to be much this year either, even though they're undefeated. Uh, TCU really looks strong. Gary Patterson, I, it, I've always liked him as a, as a coach. He's a good offensive mind. Yeah, I think I think TCU will let this one get by. But, you know, we'll see what's down the road for for Ohio State. This, Ohio, the Big Ten's like the SEC. You know, you got three or four teams that wind up beating each other upside the head and Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. So perhaps maybe Ohio State loses some more down the road in uh, in their their conference schedule. Uh, I don't think that they're I don't that they're good. They're maybe real good, but I don't think they're as good uh, as they think they are. Speaking here with Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks, uh, the other game that I wanted to make mention of well, the two there was two games. I lied. BYU Wisconsin. I I don't buy into Wisconsin. I, I there's a reason why the committee keeps them out from year to year, and they just lost to BYU. I think this is kind of securing them out of things unless everybody else starts to lose. Any surprise that BYU defeated Wisconsin in Wisconsin? Huge surprise to me. You know that's our home state up there, and uh, all my brother-in-laws are woofing Wisconsin all 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 the time. So. And Wisconsin, frankly, has probably, if not the best, one of the best running backs in the country. He's only a sophomore, too. So Wisconsin's mode of play is, is it's not not too difficult. They have huge men up front. They run the ball. They keep, they keep the other team off the field. They may not have the best defenses, but they consistently run the clock. And they didn't do that this time. And uh, Brigham Young, to their, uh, they, they did a good job in winning the game. Uh, I, I I don't want to say this, but I don't think Wisconsin's got enough either to go to distance in the in the Big Ten. There's going to be three or four teams that are going to be beating each other up, and Wisconsin hopefully be one of those teams. Maybe they can beat Ohio State if they play them. I'm not sure, uh, but Wisconsin didn't look like themselves. They couldn't get the kid loose. So with that being said, they just they just didn't control a line of scrimmage and they didn't win. And the other game, this is a game that I did choose the away team. I I know this for sure. You go back and listen to the tape. I chose LSU on the road with Ed Ogeron over Auburn, and LSU won the game this SEC matchup 22-21. Thoughts on that game? What a ball game. Gosh almighty. I mean, you saw two two really, really good football teams go at it. LSU is very fortunate they got a graduate transfer that's playing quarterback for them because if it was maybe an underclassman, you know, they don't win these kind of games. But uh, Orgeron uh, talked this young man to come in to LSU. He was a difference in the game in the last quarter. Uh, great football game. Really fervent. Oh, gosh, the stands were going crazy. People were yelling. It was, it was a great – you don't ever want to go to LSU to play a football game. Or Auburn, you know, they're, they're just so loud. Uh, I know Florida's going to Tennessee this this weekend, where there's a hundred thousand people up there screaming and yelling. So, but give give Coach O credit; he uh, he came through and, and did it on hostile turf. 
And on the other side of things here, we have the games coming up this week in week four of college football. There's a game going on tonight, Thursday, September 20th, Tulsa at Temple on ESPN, the American Athletic Conference. I suggest that you watch the American Athletic. There's a game going on in Florida that I want to get our pick on, Papa Jay. That's Friday, September 21st. And even though they're down this year a little bit and they haven't started off that strong and got totally embarrassed by Oklahoma, Lane Kiffin's FAU is supposed to be pretty damn fast. And then UCF, we know that UCF is UCF fast. The game is in Orlando at Spectrum Stadium, Florida Atlantic at UCF. And I spoke with Josh Heupel this week about the game. You heard that on the show on the broadcast Wednesday, September 20th. You can go back and get that on demand on wakeupcalldt.com by going to the Podbean podcast, the iTunes podcast, the RSS feed, or TuneIn Radio. What are your thoughts on FAU and UCF? Will will they burn the turf in Spectrum Stadium at the game? Well, that's going to be a fun game to watch. I hope it's got to be on television. I don't know. If, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, it's, it's on ESPN. Yep. Oh, okay, great, great. Going to be a great, great game to watch. Uh, I've. I've I've been a, on Lane's train for a long time, even when he was the offensive coordinator at, at Alabama. So, uh, but I think I think UCF's a little bit too tough this year. I think they're going to ride the coattails of what happened last year. I think Heupel is an excellent coach. I think he's going to. I think he'll again. He'll. Both teams are going to score so quickly that it's going to be mind bending. This could be like a forty-nine to forty-two game or something like that. Uh, but it's going to be fun to watch. And Lane Kiffin's probably going to have some tricks. Uh, maybe it's trick play here and there, reverse or a halfback flanker pass or, you know, whatever he comes up with. He comes up with some weird stuff. It's going to be a great game uh, to watch, but I think UCF's a little bit too strong for the lane train this time around. Yep, I got UCF in this one as well as Josh Heupel has had a strong start, which is good to see for that fan base because losing Scott Frost was more than just losing a coach. It was heartbreaking. Notre Dame at Wake Forest. Notre Dame is ranked in the top 10 in the country. Notre Dame is 3-0. and They haven't really played anybody outside of Michigan. And they're at Wake Forest, a team that was in the top two in the Atlantic Division for a time last year. They just lost to BC. They won at Tulane against Towson. I know they haven't had crazy competition, crazy high competition, no ranked competition, but this is not your grandfather's Wake Forest or even your father's Wake Forest. What do you think about this game in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, at home for Wake Forest, do you think that Notre Dame has any threat whatsoever in this game? No, I think Notre Dame is overrated. Uh, Vanderbilt played them tough last week. Uh, they should have won the game. Uh, I like Wake Forest at home in this game. It, it, it's kind of it's a really a pick'em game, frankly. Uh, if if Notre Dame really comes through and wins this game big, then perhaps maybe they should be uh, thought of as one of the best teams in the country. But I don't think that they're there yet. They may not get there this year, but. Uh, I don't like him in this game. I like Wake Forest. I'm going with you, and I'm going for the alleged upset. I'm going for Wake Forest in this game as well. Nebraska on the road at Michigan. For the beginning of the season, everybody wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, and now all of a sudden it's maybe gotten a little bit quieter. I mean, I'm not in Michigan, so I don't know how it is there, but nationally it seems to have gotten a, at least a little bit quieter than it has been. What do you think about this game? Scott Frost going on, on the road to Michigan this Saturday at noon. I think Scott Frost is going to lose another game. I think Scott, is <laughs> after this game, is going to really find out where he stands against a really good football team, Michigan. Uh, Scott Frost he may have to do some more recogitating here. 
about what he's going to do here in the, fu- in the future with the existing team he's got. This is a tough game for him to come and win after losing uh, two in a row. So, you know, Michigan, again, Michigan is not – they're good. They're not real good, but they're good enough. Uh, I think they win this game, and Scott Frost has more problems. I got Michigan in this game as well. I think that if Scott Frost is struggling to beat Troy, he's going to have some issues with Michigan. And, you know, there's a part of me that believes that maybe this offense can start turning on a little bit, but I don't know if it's going to be enough for him to get his first victory as the head coach of Nebraska. Boston College has crept into the top 25 rankings at number 23. They're on the road at Purdue. That game will be on ESPN2 this weekend, Saturday at noon. What do you think about that? Well, that's a tough game for Boston College to go to. Uh, Purdue played good last week. Uh, Boston College really looked good. You know, I'm surprised that uh, that Syracuse is not in the top 25, not to get off the beaten path here at Boston College, but I thought that uh, that Syracuse would have got some votes here in the top 25 this, this week, but they didn't. Uh, and saying that, uh, you know, we have to ride the Boston College train here. I think Boston College wins this game. I think they got a little bit too much uh, talent for Purdue. And we're both going with Boston College over Purdue. I agree with you. I think that what Steve Adazio is doing quietly in Boston College should be louder, but I'm sure he's okay with people not knowing what's going on. There's kind of a trap game that could be going on. I know this this is going to be an interesting game. Now, Ole Miss is coming off a 62-7 to loss that we mentioned against Alabama, so that's not good. Kent State's has Sean Lewis, who is the uh, one of the co-offensive coordinators with Mike Lynch that used to be under Dino Babers. Kent State can score points. They're fast. Ole Miss didn't respond well to the speed of Alabama. So could this be, even though it's in Mississippi, could this be a potential trap game for Ole Miss? Could they? Do you think that they're going to respond with a vengeance? Are they going to be angry and do what they need to do? Or do you think that Ole Miss could be a little bit kind of lethargic and kind of shaking back and forth, you know, kind of like in Mortal Kombat right before they say finish him? Do you think that Kent State can maybe pull one off against a team that's reeling, or will Ole Miss get back on the train? Ole Miss gets back on the train. Ole Miss, at, Ole Miss is going to come back with a – with a fur, you're right. They are going to be looking for blood, and uh, I, I like I like him in this game. I'm going to have to go with Ole Miss in this game. As much as I want to see Kent State grab one here, I'm going to go with Ole Miss because I think it's I think it's too dangerous. We got a couple games here that I want to get to really quick. Texas A&M and Alabama. We didn't have to wait long. Only four weeks into him being the head coach, Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M, before he gets to face off against Nick Saban in a game where I question why he ever left the ACC. What do you think about Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher up against Alabama and Nick Saban in Alabama, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on CBS this weekend? Texas A&M played really well last week against Clemson. They probably should have won the game. Uh, Jimbo threw the wad at him, but didn't get it done. Uh, Jimbo had this game circled from when he started his football career at Texas A&M. Jimbo, you're going to get your socks knocked off because this you got no shot of winning this game in Alabama. Too much talent, too much speed, and too much Nick Saban. I'm going with Alabama too, Papa Joe. We are we are snake eyes all the way through here. We got to see if there's a game that we don't agree on as we go through here. Uh, the last, the, well, I want to go to this one. Could Clemson have any trouble at Georgia Tech 
this weekend. Georgia Tech has struggled. I spoke with Paul Johnson. He didn't sound happy with his team on a lot of different things. Wants, and it sounds like he wants to see more effort, kind of your basic stuff he wants to see, and stop turning the ball over. And they have Clemson coming into town. What do you think about this one? Well, Paul Johnson is notorious for uh, that double option that he runs. Uh, it's strictly a running attack. You know, he likes to run for 400 yards a game. Again, it's a situation where he, uh, he keeps Clemson off the field. If he can control the clock, uh, he can probably come close to winning this game. But talent-wise, he can't. The only the only shot he's got to win this game is to control the ball with his running attack. And Clemson's got two All-American defensive tackles. They're going to stop him cold, so... I think Clemson wins easily. I have Clemson in this one, too. Our last game, this the this might be the first time we ever agreed on every single game here. Our last game to take a look at is Stanford at Oregon Saturday night. What do you have for this one? Uh, Coach Shaw, Stanford, annually comes up with good teams, good young men, strong defense, strong running game. Got probably the best running running back in the country. I like Stanford. I'm going with Stanford in this one too, Papa Jay. Do you have any ones on your mind that we didn't mention here? We have we have gone the same. We both chose Michigan over Nebraska, Wake Forest over Notre Dame, BC over Purdue, Central Florida over FAU, Mississippi, Ole Miss, so to speak, over Kent State, Bama over Texas A&M, Clemson over Georgia Tech, and have both taken Stanford over Oregon despite the fact that they're playing in Oregon. Do you have any other game that was on your mind? Well... My alma mater, of course, Florida, is playing at Tennessee. Um, this is a this is going to be a tough game for Florida. Uh, Florida's got a freshman kicker that is going to be be able to hear a hundred thousand people screaming, "Yell at old Rocky Top!" Uh, you would probably like Tennessee in this game, but uh, you know, uh, my for my sake, you know, I have to go with my school, Florida. So uh, it'll be a tough game. Felipe Franks is, is going to have to play a perfect game to beat. Uh, Tennessee. Both of these schools, again, going back to being one of the annually tough teams in the in the country, uh, both fall on hard times here in the, in the last couple of years. So uh, it's 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 a game against two good teams, not two great teams, but a team where Florida has to win in Tennessee, and I'm going to pick them to win. I don't know if you agree to that. Uh, I'm going to go. This is a tough game. It's two unranked teams, two teams that. You know, I think have something in the tank, something to give. I think that, you know, recently Tennessee is trending up. The only reason why I give Tennessee the slight edge is that they're at home. That's the only difference in this game. So I'm going to go with Tennessee, and you will go with Florida in this one, Papa Joe. Those are Papa Joe's picks. Collegiately, we've made it happen. We gave you a ton of them. We're going to put them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and see how we do this weekend. As always, Papa Joe, great talking with you and great being around you. Miss you already, and uh, please enjoy a sandwich and some grapes for me today. All right. Take care, kid. Love you. All right. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Take care. That coming from Papa Joe, that is my Uncle Joe. He is like a dad to me, and he is one amazing and tremendous person. And this segment really started and was born out of us sitting around the table together just talking about sports. And he makes me better. He makes me expand my mind and open up more to things and research, you know, certain stuff that I wasn't looking into and this, that, and the other. So because he's compelled me to be better at my job, I thought it was only fair to bring him onto the show and show you just how amazing of a mind he is and how great of a person he is as well. So big ups and big love to Papa Joe and Mary, Station, Joey, 
Raleigh, Bam Bam, and I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think uh, I'm trying to remember everybody. Marissa, I'm naming all the pets now too. So and the kids. So shout out to everybody down in Florida, and of course my aunt Jeannie. Shout out on uh, shout out on your engagement. She's actually up here in Central New York, and we're gonna get to celebrate her engagement. So shout out to you, Aunt Jeannie, as well, and shout out to all of my family. And all my Floridian family, my mom's family, got smart and went down south where the where the weather is sunny. But and everybody says to me, you know, you seem like such a Floridian. You know, you seem like that's just it connects with you and Disney and all that stuff. And you cover the Jaguars and this, that, and the other, and UCF and USF and Miami and Florida State. And I've covered the Tampa Bay Rays and the Dolphins and the Bucks and you know, so so why in the Orlando City SC? So why aren't you down there? And I said, listen, I'm down there enough. I love Central and Upstate New York. I love my home. I love where I came from. I love the Four Seasons, even though my allergies don't always love them. And I get to go to Florida so much that in that it truly in my life, I I, I start to believe: am I in, am I really living this or am I dreaming this? Because one second I'm driving in Florida, and the next day here I am back in Syracuse driving around. And I don't, I don't know, you know, many people that get to do that. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And I love it. And I feel like God has given me the opportunity to, in a way, kind of live in both places and spend enough time in both, both places. So I feel very honored to call them both home. And I love everybody very much from, from both of the places and from people that listen all over the country and all around the world, especially my family in Spain who is tremendous, the Caracaos, they listen and watch every Friday, like at a minimum. And I can't thank my family enough in Spain for, for watching and listening. It's, it's, I, 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 I never thought ever that, that my family in another country overseas would, you know, make sure, and especially five hours in advance, make sure that, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon, that they're all, you know, together listening in to the show and watching the show and, you know, maybe having some tea together or at the beach together or having dinner or whatever it may be, having some paella, whatever may be going on. So, you know, I, I, I want to thank you all for being the amazing people that you are. And I want to thank my family everywhere and my extended wake-up call family and all my friends that have become my family. You know who you are. Thank you for that love and support because I would do this with or without you. Because it's 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 me, it's in me, but I I am not gonna lie and say because your happiness should come from within. But I'm not gonna lie and not I'm not gonna say that 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 you don't make every single day brighter, better, easier, stronger, and 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 more amazing. So you know I would do this no matter what because I know that God and I are, are in this together, and it makes it so much easier when you have a loving, passionate, caring fan base family, friendships, it makes it all worthwhile. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I love it. I appreciate it. And I thank you for it. So with that being said, let's take a fast break. We'll come back with Katie Kalinske in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing. With Utica Pizza Company bringing 
their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or HondaCityCNY.com. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily you know we bring in local produce we prepare to order in the kitchen we hand bread our chicken we hand spin our milkshakes it's it's great food it doesn't taste like fast food i I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a chick-fil-a restaurant it's different we we try to treat people with intentional kindness here which is very different and deeper than good customer service and so i think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. 
their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. It's been a couple weeks, and it's all good. We missed her. She was gone for a little bit, but see, that's what we did. We did it strategically. We did it on purpose. You all you enjoy the segment, Coachman Class, with Katie Kalinske exclusively here on Wake Up Call, and so we took it away for a couple weeks so that you could miss it. And, you know, because they say if you, you know, if you truly care about something, you got to You got to sometimes miss it a little bit before you appreciate it. So with that being said, Katie, I hope that people appreciate you being back on the show today. (laughs) I think that, you know, I just wanted people to just miss me a little bit and maybe they're getting a little tired of hearing me every week. So we took a little break in there. (laughs) I don't I don't think that was it at all. I think there's all positives when it comes to to Katie Kalinsky here with coaching with class. And before we get into, we got a couple topics to get into today. How is everything going at Buffalo? I know the season is fast approaching. So how is life as the director of basketball ops? What's been going on as you get closer to the season? You know, it's been a little stressful. Uh, You know, me doing travel for the first time and you could be working on one job during the day and then five jobs come at you and or five emails come in and just trying to stay afloat and you know it's still hard for me because obviously I want to be on that court coaching and you know doing that and having to watch practice and not being able to say anything every day it's been hard but it's a very great like good learning experience and I've learned so much from coach Jack in the first month I've been here you know she I've never seen someone get the most out of all of her players every single day like she her motor does not stop and you know, that's the biggest thing I've taken away from Coach Jack. And, you know, at the end of the day, she can yell and get under, you know, yell at the kids and every day. And then they know that, like, she cares about them. And I, th- I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to coaching. And when you when you look at, you know, kind of getting ready and getting set for the season, you have that exhibition with Syracuse coming up. How excited are you to get back in the Dome for that? I know. I wish – I actually – you know, I wanted the exhibition to be at the Mellow Center so I could see everybody – um, normally it's at the Mellow Center, but for some reason this year, Q's put us in the uh, in the dome. Um, it's exciting, you know. It's gonna be weird to be on the opposite side. I've never sat on the opposite bench, you know, for a game. Uh, so it's gonna be weird. Um, and it's a closed scrimmage, unfortunately. So none of my family can come. But I already told Tiana. I said, Tiana, I'm gonna be talking smack the whole game. <laughs> so. That's awesome. See, but I like that. That's how you got to be. So, speaking here with Katie Kalinsky, coaching with class, we got a few topics to get to. Uh, one of them is Jimmy Butler. It's always nice when somebody is under contract, is getting paid by a current team, is under contract with that team, and tells the team, hey, I don't want to be here anymore, so go ahead and give me what I want, because that would be great. I don't care about you. I care about me. You know, we, we kind of got that feeling with Kawhi Leonard. Now we're getting that feeling with Jimmy Butler. He's under contract, and head coach Tom Thibodeau looks like he wants to 
keep him on the team allegedly and, and try and push for the playoffs. And Jimmy Butler's going, no, 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 no. I want a max contract, five years, $190 million. Let's make it happen. I'm thinking about Brooklyn, the Clippers, or the Knicks. So what do you think about this whole situation? Because to me, you know, if, if I'm the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm like, dude, you're on a contract. Like, I'm sorry, but... You know, I, I, I find it interesting that guys kind of dictate or try to dictate when they have the player options and the opportunities, but what's a player option worth anymore when players are saying in the middle of their contracts, I don't want to be here anymore, so go make me happy. Yeah, well, it kind of goes both ways, though, because a team can release you and trade you at any time. So then now that a player wants to do it, now, now it's a problem. But I also understand, you know, to me it seems like a red flag with Jimmy Butler because, you know, he was unhappy in Chicago, wanted to get out of there. He gets traded. You know, Minnesota sends all those players over, and all of a sudden he's not happy again. And it's not even like he wants to go to a team that can contend and win. He wants to go to a, a bad team and just basically start over and bring in one more superstar at the max level and – I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. I just I don't understand it. So you you want to get a little bit more money to just be a, just to lose and right. go to a work. And the whole reason you wanted to go to Minnesota was a chance to win. And, you know, why don't you just focus on staying healthy and go win and help your team win and be a team player? And I don't know. He just said to me, it's just a big, big red flag. Well, and I mean, to me, it sounds kind of ridiculous that you brought it up. It's like you want to go to a team that sucks I mean, the Clippers used to be good, and they got rid of everybody, but the Nets and the Knicks, I mean, these teams are awful, and it's, I mean, essentially, I'm, I'm asking Jimmy Butler, so you want to be Carmelo Anthony version two, because he went to the Knicks, he wanted to get paid, he made a bunch of money, and there was no, I mean, at moments, they were like, oh, maybe they could win a few games, but he stuck around and just kept getting money. It, to me, it, it seems like kind of a way, I understand set yourself up and set your family up and yada yada and think about it from their perspective. I get that notion, but I also get the notion of don't you want to win before you're all done? And with Jimmy Butler, it's like, hey, I'd like to get paid sometime soon. So if you can make that happen, that'd be great. I, I just, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's kind of, I understand he wants to make his money. I understand he wants to get paid what he's worth. I get that. You know, I'm not going to go against that by any stretch of the imagination, but I am kind of sitting here going, okay, well, that's nice and that's wonderful, but you're under contract and you agreed to this. So no offense, but the team, just like with Kawhi Leonard, the team doesn't owe you anything. And granted, I see the other side, you know, it's a business. They can cut you in the middle of the night, put you on another team. Some guys find out on the bottom line on ESPN that they're getting traded. They don't even know about it. So I get the nasty side of the business on that side. But with Jimmy Butler, I mean, if you're going to put a list together, at least put a list together of teams that win. I mean, this is just, I want to get paid a a crap ton of money. I mean, this is not, there's nobody on that list that's a contender. So, I mean, Jimmy Butler's essentially saying, I want a max contract to make a ton of money on a team that I'm going to lose on for the next five years, and then I'm going to retire. Maybe it's the reverse psychology. You know, like Kevin Durant goes to the Golden State Warriors, who already was dominating and Jimmy Butler says, I'm going to go to a team that has no chance of winning this year, and I'm going to act like I can turn it around <laughs> on my own. Yeah, I, I just I, I think Jimmy Butler was out of the public eye and then came back in a little bit, and if he goes to one of these teams, he's going to fade back out. Again, I mean, the Knicks, there is, there is no hope there, and the Nets have been down forever and a day. Really quick, staying with the NBA, Kawhi Leonard 
has not addressed the, the media yet. The team president of the Raptors said, quote, he is determined and seems in the right frame of mind. You will be hearing from him shortly. I think there's a fire inside of him, and we are all excited about that, end quote. So he seems like he's in the right frame of mind. I, I find that in, I feel like every NBA player should be in a frame of mind of wanting to win and wanting to compete, but it seems like Kawhi Leonard might need a psychologist and a head coach. I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't know if, if getting Kawhi, it doesn't feel right in my gut. DeMar DeRozan felt right. But the fact that that he hasn't addressed anybody and they're like, hey, listen, he's in the right frame of mind. Well, what happens if he's in the wrong frame of mind? And what if a press conference is set up for Tuesday and he's in the wrong frame of mind and can only do Wednesday at 6 a.m.? I just I find this to be there's just too much too much outside going on and I don't like it. I'd rather just have this guy do what every other player does. He signs on, he takes a picture with his jersey, he sits down, he talks to the media, and then he goes to work. Well then, I find it amusing that you couldn't go one show without talking about the Raptors. <laughs> like you you like just snuck it in there too. You were like, you know what, let me talk about Kawhi quick because we haven't had a show in a couple of weeks and I, I got to throw, we finally talked about a different team in Minnesota, and you had to throw in Kawhi Leonard. I listen, because I'm telling you, the Raptors are notorious for trading away talent. They are notorious for letting go of good players that are the nucleus of the team. And they've done it time after time after time after time and time again. And Syracuse fans, they got rid of John Wallace, who legitimately cost them $600,000. He didn't even cost them a million dollars a year with some of the outrageous contracts that people are getting. So, yeah, Kawhi Leonard needing to be in the right frame of mind, to me, that's it's a joke. It's just a joke. And it's it's exa- I'm already exhausted of this whole situation. If he plays a game for the Raptors, I guess I'll be happy because Kenny Anderson... As I told you before, he left the jersey right there in the locker room and never played. Well, maybe he's pulling a Jimmy Butler. You know, he might play this one season, and then he wants to go to Brooklyn or L.A. or New York, (laughs) and they just want to go be together because they both have issues going on right now. Apparently, everybody wants to be in L.A. Speaking here with Katie Kalinske, coaching with class. Speaking of L.A., LeBron James, it's allegedly (laughs) happening Space Jam 2, it was part of my childhood, the Monstars, High Hit Em High, If You're Low Hit Em Low, that one of the best songs ever created, of the best ensembles ever created, with some of the greatest rappers that have been around and were around at that time. So I, I'm i not for adding to, I'm not for taking something that's already been done right and trying to do it again, but I guess, I guess in the argument of, LeBron James is trying to be Michael Jordan because he wears number 23. Now he's in Space Jam. It kind of feels like he's he's trying to be Michael Jordan again. I mean, I, I, I'm probably going to see Space Jam 2 because I love the Looney Tunes, but I don't know how I feel about them making another one because Space Jam was Space Jam, and unless you got LL Cool J and everybody else coming back and Method Man, I don't think I'm going to be okay with this one. You know, okay, I'm, I'm going to say this about LeBron. So, I'm a huge Lakers fan, which we know, talking on the show. And I actually did not like LeBron growing up. And it's part, it's mostly because I was a Kobe fan. Like, Lakers is my team, Kobe, everything. In the last couple of years, LeBron, before I knew he was coming to L.A., LeBron is kind of just the GOAT, in my opinion. Because he, he just does everything the right way. You never, have a, you never hear any issues with LeBron. He's a family man. He's all about his wife and his kids. And he's always doing the right thing, saying the right things. And 
he still gets knocked down. And now LeBron is really taking on a new role because, one, he's coming out with a space jam, which I, I think is awesome. I think it's going to be really good if it's done the right way. He I, Yesterday I watched a TV show that he produced with Jay Williams, which was an incredible TV show. It was like an eight-episode uh, series. He's coming up with another one called, I think, Just Shut Up and Dribble or whatever. And, you know, he's always got his haters, but LeBron is on top of the world right now. In my opinion. All right, fair enough. LeBron, I mean, I, I'm going to see it. I'm going to give it a shot, but I want it to be totally different. I don't want it to be any – as long as it's not a remake, I am good. Last thing we got to talk about here is Florida State and Syracuse. Florida State-Syracuse on the football field. Syracuse has not defeated Florida State in 52 years. The last time it happened was 1966. Never did it in the ACC. When they entered the ACC, I had made the comment it might take them 10 to 12 years to even think about beating Clemson or Florida State when those teams have been playing high. Now, Clemson has stayed high. Florida State's dropped off the last couple seasons, but Syracuse way ahead of schedule as far as I'm concerned. About half the half of the time it took them to defeat the likes of Clemson and Florida State. They also got Virginia Tech with a phenomenal coach, Justin Fuente. So what do you think about this? Because Syracuse got the dub. Some people are trying to take it away from them. Oh, they're not a big team. Florida State's struggling. They're not that good. The win doesn't mean anything. I see it as Syracuse defeated Florida State. And when they look back in history, they defeated Florida State. And this is a psyche thing. And for Syracuse players, for the student-athletes and the coaches, beating the name Florida State, beating the name Clemson, beating the name Virginia Tech, those are things that change your mentality for the better and improves your psyche. And to me, whether they're up, down, or somewhere in the middle, Syracuse has the opportunity to make a giant leap after getting wins like this because it's about momentum, it's about how it makes you feel, and this is a, this is a team that Syracuse was told they weren't beating maybe ever again. So what did you think about it? Because I don't like the the, the haters and the naysayers. They're going to do what they want to do, but Syracuse should absolutely, in my opinion, celebrate this win, and I think that they should be proud of what they've done because this is a team that they weren't supposed to beat even when the team was down. I mean... A win is a win, and wins are so hard to come by even in college football, let's be honest. And for a team that in the last couple of years has had so many ups and downs and just losing seasons, it's okay to be excited about beating Florida State. I don't care if it's the worst Florida State team in the last 50 years. Like, it's Florida State. They have all five-star recruits on that roster. They have a quarterback who's a veteran now. And they have a coach that was supposed to come in here from Oregon and be phenomenal. And it's like, everyone wants to be like, all right, well, it's the bad Florida State team. It's not our fault it's the bad Florida State team. All we do is show up and play the game. And I, I, think, I think it should be celebrated. And I think the players should be excited. You know, I'm actually friends with a couple of guys on the team, like, you know, Antoine Cordy. And, you know, just seeing him come out there this season. And, you know, I thought the first week um, that they played – you know, Cordy was definitely rusty, and then the second week he kind of started coming into it with his uh, punt return, and then I thought last week I, he just played great, and seeing his confidence and seeing the guys and seeing the D-line play great, you know, Chris Slayton, you know, I always, I always would joke around with Chris Slayton because he actually was my neighbor last year, and I'd always tell him, like, you know you're getting drafted next year, you know, and he'd just kind of laugh it off, but, you know, there's some talent on that team, and, you know, I think it's cool, too, to see that, you know, they can win, um, they can win with DeVito, too, so... 
Um, I just I thought it was cool seeing him come into it and seeing the dome excited and the students excited and you know seriously they deserve it. Those guys work their asses off. I don't know if I can say that word on the show, but they work their butts off. There's no FCC on the internet. You can say whatever you want. Just remember it's a family show. That's all. <laughs> so yeah, it's exciting and Babers is exciting and it's going to be great for recruiting to see them beat Florida State and it's going to be great to see that video for recruiting and you know there's excitement again and seeing the crowd into it and. You know, seeing these young guys that are already committing to us, I just think it's a great atmosphere, and I think, you know, Dino's doing it the right way. No, absolutely, and I'd have to agree with you on that. Syracuse should definitely celebrate this one. It's a big one. It's big time for them. It shows where they are as a program. And now Dino Babers has a win in the ACC against a reputable, pro, a reputable historic program in each of his three seasons as he pushes forward with this. Any final notes, uh, Katie? The one thing I want to make sure that we get to is Brianna Stewart I'm sure that you felt this way. I felt this way. You said she was the best player, hands down, without question, in the WNBA. She found success at CNS with the North Stars. Then she found success four years straight. Every single year in UConn, she was a champion. Then she spends five minutes in the WNBA, and she's a champion there, too. Everywhere this woman goes, she is a champion. So I am not sitting here today surprised, but I do want to show her some love and some respect because she is a consummate professional, and an everyday champion. Just what you could say about her, because I know you get to spend some time with her. She's just so humble, and you wouldn't even know it that she won four national championships at college, and you wouldn't know it that she was a superstar at CNS, and you wouldn't even know that she won a championship now, because she's just so humble, and she gives everybody respect, and she's nice to everybody, and she just works so hard. Like, literally, she just works as hard as anybody, and and she, it's just so well-deserved, and I'm, I'm really happy for her because, you know, knowing, um, you know, they had a couple of years that they didn't really win in Seattle and, you know, sticking with it and, you know, being able to play with Sue Bird and, like, their relationship and their, their best of friends, too. So I, I just think Stewie is just one of a kind, and she literally grew up in our backyard, and I think that's so cool. And, you know, I can't say enough, you know, great things about her. She, she's incredible. Absolutely amazing. Brianna Stewart doing what she does being the amazing player that she is and coming from Central and Upstate New York. And so, I mean, I got nothing but appreciation and respect for her. And also a shout-out to Brittany Sykes, who did not make it that one step to the NBA or to the WNBA Finals, but was very, very close in the semis and did a phenomenal job this season herself. So shout-out to the Atlanta Dream and Brittany Sykes as well, who played at Syracuse. As always, Miss Kalinske, I appreciate you. They have missed you. You are back now, and it feels so good to have an excuse to mention the Raptors on the show again. <laughs> and we also got to wish Sykes a speedy recovery from foot surgery. She just had it a couple days ago, so hopefully you know, she'll be okay going forward. And unfortunately, she couldn't go overseas right now, but I, I know she's in good spirit, so... Amen, and and big prayers to prayers and well wishes to Brittany Sykes for a speedy recovery and a full recovery where she can continue to play this game that she loves so very much, and more importantly, that she can live the fullest of life. So big ups to Brittany Sykes, Brianna Stewart, and of course, Miss Katie Kalinske being here with us Thursdays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time for Coaching with Class. As always, Katie, I appreciate it. I'm happy to have you back, and I look forward to talking with you very soon. Hopefully the Raptors will do something within the next week so we got something to talk about. <laughs> All right, Dan. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye. This is a wake-up call fast break. No. 
news is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine-ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90-inch monster. Watch your game, enjoy time with family, friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Satora's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. 
How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Always happy to have you here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And in the second hour of the show every Thursday, we're starting a little bit back today as we got our college football picks in with Papa Joe and just had Katie Kalinske return to the show with Coaching with Class. We are now hopping into the Fantasy Football Power Hour. No one be afraid. We will give you that Power Hour, if not more. So even though we're coming in around uh, 10.30 this morning instead of our typical 10, you will get the full feel of college or of the professional ranks of fantasy football. We will be giving you our thoughts on the Jets against the Browns, the Saints against the Falcons, the Bills against the Vikings, Niners, Chiefs, Raiders, Dolphins, Bengals, Panthers, as well as the Colts and Eagles, the Packers and Redskins, the Titans and Jaguars, the Los Angeles rivalry of the Chargers and Rams up against each other, the Broncos and Ravens, the Giants and Texans, New England, the Patriots going up against their old defensive coordinator who's not coaching any defense right now, Matt Patricia, the Patriots and the Lions, the Bears and the Cardinals, the Cowboys and the Seahawks, and on Monday night, the Steelers and the Bucks will have all of those games for you today. We will have you set and ready to go to set your fantasy football lineup for all of your Thursday, Sunday, and Monday games right here, right now, live with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football, myself, Dan Satora. You can check out my fantasy football info and everything that we have on the quick link on wakeupcalldt.com's homepage and by going to the tab on wakeupcalldt.com in general. So we want to make sure that you check that out. Check out halloffamefantasyfootball.com. It's proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, where we watch our games, we draft our players, and we have a great fantasy football season and the Penn and Trophy Center that brings us our Lombardi as well as our toilet for the last place team. With all of those pleasantries being said and out of the way, I'm very happy to have Mike Sofka back on the broadcast. He is one of my most favorite people to talk to weekly. I think I sometimes talk to you more than I talk to some family members, Mr. Sofka. How are we doing today? Awesome. Thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome as usual. Excited. Ready to watch uh, the Browns tonight. I think they're going to pull away with their first victory, so I'm excited. Yeah, and I think that this game's kind of cool. I mean, this game is kind of set up to be a Mayfield-Darnold thing, but Mayfield isn't out there yet. I dare I say it. I wouldn't say this in, in you know past years, even recently, but you sound this way. I feel this way. I'm excited to watch the Jets play the Browns. Is is that strange? I mean, I, I feel like there's going to be something to see on tape today. Yeah, you know, I, I was up early this morning. I, I saw Adam Schefter with a tweet this morning. He pointed out the Browns' last win came 635 days ago. 
That was December 24th, 2016. They beat the Chargers 20 to 17. Now listen to, listen to the players that helped Cleveland win that game. RG3, Joe Thomas, Gary Barnage, Terrell Pryor, Corey Coleman, Joe Hayden, and Isaiah Crowell. This is why the Browns haven't won. None of those guys are there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where are these guys? Where are the victories? So hopefully, you know, I think they've been building something good. I think they've been working on getting better, and it looks like the roster is better. It's unfortunate they had a the couple of departures at receiver, but, you know, you got to go with the greater good of the team when you're trying to rebuild and build something, and I'm sure Dorsey's on the right path here with taking a no-nonsense approach, and hopefully that's going to be good for the team long-term, and hopefully for their sake tonight as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if this is going to be, in my opinion, it's, it's going to be uh, an interesting game, probably a good game for the Cleveland Browns. I, I did have that Sam Darnold was going to make some mistakes in his second game, and he did that. I thought he would have, you know, a touchdown and an inter- and, and an interception in the game. He had one touchdown and two interceptions. So, you know, pretty around the realm of where I thought he would be. I thought he'd be tested a little bit more. I ultimately picked the Jets, though, and the Dolphins ended up winning the game. What do you think about Sam Darnold in his third game and the fantasy value on both sides of things between the Jets and the Browns? What do you have in this one? Yeah, you know, I'm not a big Sam Darnold guy right off, especially when you consider the Browns are leading the league in takeaways with eight. So, I, you know, I, I, I think it's he's going to have the learning curve here. I think he's done okay so far. You know, he's not the savior people thought he was. It's pretty easy to look that way when your defense knows all the calls on the other team in Detroit and they're setting you up for success every time. He's going to have his ebb and flow. He's going to have his ups and downs. I, you can't play Sam Darnold yet. You just can't do it. Tyrod Taylor, I got him ranked number 20 quarterback this week. So, you know, if you had to put him out there, he's a conservative guy. He's not going to lose the game for the Browns, but he may not win the game for the Browns either. So it's probably going to go more so to the running attack. You know, I like Carlos Hyde a little bit. I think he's number 18 running back this week. You know, I'm not sure we're going to see a lot of Duke Johnson, but he does demand attention, especially in PPR. But I would think in a flex category, not necessarily as a running back. And, you know, I, I'm this is my biggest question. What are we going to see from the receivers? Is Jarvis Landry dinged up? Is it going to be all Antonio Callaway? Antonio Callaway, they're saying it's going to have increased production. They've been limiting him. And, and this is a guy who just went out there and ran for that big touchdown Big touchdown reception last week. I like his upside, just not yet. You know, you can't depend on somebody who's had a flash of brilliance and you think has the talent. If you have to, you go that way. But, you know, you can't go that way in fantasy football. So I don't really value any receivers on that end of the ball. For the Jets, I think there's a little more value in receivers, but, you know, not much. I mean, you're looking at a Robbie Anderson. Uh, Quincy and Uwa seems to taking over as Darnold's favorite target. So I want to watch that continue to develop. I'm excited for that. And, you know, tight end, I really can't say much on either side. I mean, I hope Njoku does something. You know, I got him ranked number 14, so just outside the tight end realm this this week. So 
I look for the Browns to pick up their first victory in a couple years tonight. Should be a good game, like you said, Dan. I'm excited to see Jets and Browns. And, you know, if you had told me I would have said that two years ago, I'd have told you you are crazy. Yeah, absolutely, and and I'm right there with you on it, you know, and 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 obviously making that statement, I <laughs> I'm surprised, but you know, I'm excited. I'm excited that the Browns get to be on television. I question why the Jaguars aren't on Thursday night football or Monday night football when right now they're number one in the power rankings and it was their game to lose against the Patriots in the AFC championship game. Yet we're seeing the Jets and the Browns on Thursday night exclusively. So, you know, it's I'm happy. I'm happy we get to see a young quarterback in Sam Darnold. I'm happy we get to see the new look Cleveland Browns. But I'm also kind of questioning the the tactics and the decision-making of the NFL to not have the Jaguars on Monday night or Thursday night more consistently. They do have a Sunday night game for the first time in forever. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm in Frozen sing-along right now, singing the first time in forever. But that's how it feels right now. So I'm happy to see it. I also wonder why there's not more opportunities to the Jaguars. Uh, in this game... For me, like you said, Antonio Callaway, he's a guy that was in Florida. He got himself in some trouble. So, you know, you're kind of rolling the dice with him. Cleveland took a took a wide receiver that was in trouble in Josh Gordon, let him go. Now they have a wide receiver that's been in trouble in Antonio Callaway. He's still there right now. So I wouldn't take Sam Darnold in this game. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, I know he's playing his old team. But I'm not a big fan of Isaiah Crowell, and I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, I, I feel he's inconsistent. And again, I said Isaiah Crowell never looked really that good in Cleveland, and then he played the Detroit Lions and looked like a phenomenal back. But Matt Breda almost had 160 yards against the Lions most recently, and he's not known to break it out like that. So it's more the Lions' defense than I think anything else. So I'd stay away from Isaiah Crowell and Belial Powell. In this game, if I had to choose, I like Quincy Anunwa and Robbie Anderson. I would say Quincy would be a wide receiver two, and Robbie would be a low end two, in my opinion, high end three. Oh no, I'm, I'm going to say low end two because I still think he's worth putting out there, but he was relatively quiet in the most recent game. And quarterback wise for Cleveland, I you know it, it's really funny because I always I always call him Tyrod, as many people did. But Tarad, I'm not. I'm not sold on him. Carlos Hyde, and I like Carlos Hyde in this matchup. I like Jarvis Landry in this matchup. And as Mike said, Antonio Callaway, don't run out and get him and take somebody good off your team right now to replace with. But if you have him on your roster or you need a flex position, I don't think it's a bad idea to put him out there against the Jets defense right now. And, you know, honestly, I think I think Carlos Hyde, I think Duke Johnson Jr. could do something in the flex, and then Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway. And Callaway is now more important to the team, so he needs to stay healthy and needs to stay out of trouble because his fantasy value and his professional reality value has gone way up with them parting ways with Josh Gordon. And David Njoku... Potentially, I still think he's like a mid-range tight end too right now. Kind of maybe a t- maybe a high-end tight end too, but he's not a one for me right now, and he's not a one for me this week. Next game that we have coming up here, Mr. Sofka, is the matchup that we have between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. What do you have for this? 
Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some points scored in this one. You know, both teams play in domes. The, the, the game's in a dome. Uh, New Orleans looks like they could score a lot. We thought their defense was going to be a little bit better. Uh, we thought that, you know, the Falcons' offense would be a little bit better, too. So, you know, I'm not real high on Matt Ryan. He's still outside of being a QB1. He's a high-end QB2 at number 13 on my rankings this week. You know, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is always a QB1. He's number seven on my rankings. You you know that. You're not going to go. And Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is off to a start like not seen before in a long, long time. I don't think ever. I mean, this is a guy who has 28 receptions, three touchdowns, uh, to almost 300 yards receiving in two games. This is phenomenal. So he's off to a to a torrid start here. He's going to tear it up if he continues this pace, which seems to be impossible. But it looks like going up against the Falcons defense, who has a lot of guys missing, a lot of guys injured, including Keon O'Neal. You know, this could be another week where Michael Thomas just goes off the charts again. You know, Devonta Freeman was hurt. Uh, they're looking to get him back on the field, but I think we're going to see more of a Tevin Coleman this week again. I, I think Tevin Coleman's worthy of an RB1 when you consider that. I don't think Freeman's even going to see the field. So I got Tevin Coleman ranked number six. And, you know, the the uh, the Saints are still kind of struggling to, to find that other guy to go with Kamara. So it's all Kamara. He's arguably one of the top running backs as long as this continues until Ingram gets back. I got... You know, depending on how you look at it, in the standard, I got Kamara 2. In a, in a PPR, I got Kamara 1. You know, and that's, you know, reversed with Todd Gurley, who's been having a good year as well. So, tight end-wise, you know, you'd like to see somebody step up. I think it might be a Benjamin Watson, the old guy, finally making it happen. And, you know, we, we really haven't seen Austin Hooper step up on the other side yet. So, you know, I, I, I think Hooper's a tight end too because he has such a tremendous upside and they can spread the ball around. But my biggest thing in this game is I want to see Julio Jones. I want to see Julio Jones. I think he ranks right up there with Michael Thomas, him and AB since I don't know, the past six, eight years, nine years, whatever it is, have, have had the most yards in the league as far as receivers. So he's always in the conversation. And I think with the weaknesses that New Orleans secondary has showed, I think this is a good week to play Julio Jones as well. He's not my number three receiver this week. I think the I think the Falcons are finally going to get something going here. And I think the Falcons are going to turn around and beat the Saints here at home in Atlanta. And everybody's going to think the Falcons are back. But, you know, in in this game, in the NFL and in fantasy, you do it once, that's great, you help me win. You do it twice, you got my attention. You do it three times, now I'm all in. So this is a case for Atlanta. They need to get back on track, and I think they will against the Saints. Yeah, you know, I, I think that this is going to be, uh, you know, for, for me, this is a game where there is a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of on paper that's supposed to be good. I want to give a shout-out, though, Monty Teo. You know, who who would have thunk it? He is with the New Orleans Saints, and he is the middle linebacker. He has a knee injury, and he did not practice on Wednesday. Ted Ginn has been limited with a knee injury, and outside of that, really nothing to worry about. But I do want to make a note because Mike was talking about it here as well. 
that Devontae Freeman, I said last week, play Tevin Coleman, and Tevin Coleman didn't disappoint you by any stretch of the imagination last week. He did a lot of great things because when he's asked to be the guy, those are the weeks where you really see him excel, which is good to see. It's kind of sad because he's always behind Devontae Freeman and splits time with Devontae Freeman, and sometimes he gets more and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he gets the yards, sometimes the points, but when he's asked to be the guy when Devontae's not there, we can see that this he can be a back that the team can lean on. And so, you know, for the people that own him, I'm sure they wish that, you know, that they did this more and that Atlanta trusted more in him. Devontae Freeman didn't practice with a knee injury this past Wednesday. Neither did Julio Jones with his calf injury. So make sure you watch them both in this game. If Julio Jones is good to go, you got to play him. Because Matt Ryan has gone down, he's Matt Ryan is is not is not trending up to me right now to start off the season and coming off of last season. So I will say this about him though: he's playing a new Nor- a New Orleans team that has almost no defense. So if I am with Matt Ryan on my roster right now, he is a quarterback one. He's not the highest of the high, but he's still there for me. Tevin Coleman is worth the play this week as well, and Julio Jones, a healthy Julio Jones, is worth the play. And also, also Austin Hooper, I throw him into the mix. Calvin Ridley, watch him. He scored his first ever professional touchdown in only a second week in the NFL. He just did that, so make sure that you're watching him. I don't know if I would necessarily put him out there. He's still a wide receiver three to me, so it depends on what you have and how deep you got to dig. Drew Brees, I like him in this. I like Alvin Kamara. These are cut and paste. Michael Thomas, cut and paste. And Cameron Meredith has let me down. I'm interested to see what he can do. Benjamin Watson, high-end tight end two for me this week. If you're just tuning into the show, this is the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Penn and Trophy Center, both in central and upstate New York. The Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, which is the home for every single sports fan, no matter what team you love. And when it comes to NFL Sundays, you're seeing 20, 25, 30 some odd different team jerseys all in one place. They are not a bar that says we're a Steelers bar, a Dolphins bar, a Cowboys bar, a Bills bar. They welcome everybody, and they find a way to make – somehow, some way, they have found peace amongst fans because it's a great place to watch the games, and it's a family atmosphere. I love it. It's local. It's great. And the Penn and Trophy Center has been serving the community for over 60 years. They are absolutely tremendous, and Mike can vouch that the trophies are beautiful – very well crafted, very well done, heavy, feels like a Lombardi, and the toilet everybody gets a kick out of. But ultimately, people tell me if I'm not going to win first, I better win last because I want to at least get the toilet so that I can put something on my mantle. So I appreciate the Pendant Trophy for all the hard work they do. They've now moved to East Syracuse. You can see them right by BJ's Wholesale Club in East Syracuse. With that being said, Mike and I are giving you every single matchup, every single team, breaking it down for fantasy value. The Buffalo Bills and the Minnesota Vikings. Buffalo's on the road, and Mike, what I said would happen has definitely happened. You've agreed with me that this would happen, and that is that the Bills' offensive line aren't going to protect anybody. They've allowed 11 sacks through two games and sacked eight times in his debut in the NFL, eight times. Five when he was the official starter, and three when he came in in relief of Nathan Peterman, sacked eight times as a rookie in two games is Josh Allen. What do you think about the Bills 
giving up sacks and now playing one of the best defenses in the country on the road. Minnesota's favored by 16 and a half. That's a huge line. And normally, most people would run to their guy, run to their online account, and place a wager, take in the points. But I got to give the points in this one. I think the Bills are just bad. I think they're horrible. I think they're the opposite of what the Browns are doing. The Browns have been building, cleaning house and building. The Bills have been cleaning house, and I don't know what they've been doing. The only redeeming value on their team, fantasy-wise, or a guy that can pop off the screen at you, and LaShawn McCoy has a torn rib cartilage, and he may not play this week. So run out, stop what you're doing right now, continue to listen to us, but go pick up Chris Ivory right now. He'll be your starter this week. Oh, and by the way, there's new allegations against LaShawn McCoy regarding child abuse a la Adrian Peterson. This one is already on file at the at the family court services. This one already has pictures. This is going to be nasty. It's not going to be good. The Bills are standing behind him for now, but it's just going to be a matter of time when they lose the only player they really have. You know, you can't play the quarterback from the Bills. You can't play Josh Allen until he does something. And he's not going to do anything this week. I mean, hello, he's going up against Minnesota. Well, Minnesota's going to counter with Kirk Cousins, and he's going to be just fine. He's the number six quarterback on my ranking. You know, Dalvin Cook, they're going to use him, of course. He's going to be used well. But you know what? I don't think they're going to have to do a lot with Dalvin Cook. I think they're going to spread the ball around. I think they're going to get Latavius Mertz touches. So Dalvin Cook's a high-end running back, too, this week. And Latavius Murray is a bottom-end. You know what? Let me check that. A high-end. You know what? He's number 32 on my rank. You do the math, okay? You know, Latavius Murray's going to get some touches. He's going to get some passes. Not so much on the Buffalo side. Chris Ivory, maybe. LaShawn McCoy, maybe. We don't know what's going to happen yet, but I would wager it's going to be Chris Ivory. But I don't think you can start him yet. I think you can pick him up as an emergency or bi-week filler, but I don't think that you can start him yet. And as far as receivers, you got to go with Diggs and Thielen. Diggs and Thielen, both wide receiver ones. How nice is that to have two wide receiver ones on your team? I'd love to be the quarterback on that team. Well, they got a good quarterback, and Diggs and Thielen are going to get the ball. They're going to do you right. You know that already, though. Buffalo, not so much. I don't have anything. I don't think Kelvin Benjamin's doing anything. I haven't really seen Zay Jones show up. Uh, it's, it's the same thing goes with the tight end. Charles Clay, I don't know what's going on there. They cut Nick O'Leary. But you know what? On the other side of the ball, Kyle Rudolph, he's going to start to show up, and I think it's going to start this week. He's my number seven tight end. These are two teams going in opposite directions. I look at the Vikings to win big. Yeah, I think that you know Josh Allen might go to Minnesota with other, other motives. I think he might be going to Minnesota with an offer on the table to be their third-string quarterback. I, I think – I think he might be going there with a hope of saying, do what you need to do to get me out of Buffalo. I'll, I'll whatever it takes. Just let me, I'll, I'll carry, I'll carry Mr. Cousins water bottle. I'll take his, I'll take his luggage. I'll do whatever I need to do. You know, he, he's going to Minnesota. He's going to a place where 
the, you know, there's an, there's offensive lines and defensive lines that protect and attack. So, you know, it's buff. And, and again, Buffalo bills. I know I'm up here in central New York. You're go, you're getting rowdy. You're getting upset, but I'm telling you, you should be feeling exactly what Mike and I are saying. And it's not our fault that you are the 32nd team out of 32 teams this season. That's a front office issue, and it's a it's a scheming issue. It's it's a roster issue. It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. And having Richie Incognito, which I just found out yesterday, Mike. I don't know if you know this. Richie Incognito, who we already know has said some kind of racial things allegedly, and been a kind of a, a head case in a lot of different ways and retired and then decided he wanted to play football. I found out yesterday that he went to his father's funeral with a with a hacksaw and tried to cut off his father's head so he could take it with him. Wow. Wow. And he was supposed to be a starter on the Bills offensive line. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. I don't know what to say. I guess the positive side of it is at least we know that he has some tenacity and energy that maybe the Bills offensive line is lacking. I don't know if that's what you could take from Hacksaw to pop his head, but you know, thankfully whoever was there didn't allow this to happen and you know, Mr. Incognito is safe and sound bodily and most importantly in heaven. But Richie Incognito, I I I don't get it. And and that was the hope. I mean, I just it doesn't make any sense. So, Josh Allen, he's not a bad quarterback, but if there's anybody that I'm going to play out there, it's LaShawn McCoy, but they're going to they're going to put a bunch of guys in the box. They're going to stack the box. And they're going to make it difficult. I like Kirk Cousins, I like Delvin Cook, I like Latavius Murray, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota of Minnesota's defense and special teams. In other words, play the house is what I'm asking you to do in this matchup. Next one up that we got for you is San Francisco and Kansas City. San Fran's been relatively a little bit quiet under Jimmy G. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great. He's not shocking anybody. On the other side of things, Mr. Putting on a Clinic, the Kansas City Chiefs may not play defense, but they play a crap ton of offense. And Pat Mahomes in his debut as the starter outright this season has... 10 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns this season passing already. And it was really funny to me how Mr. Kareem Hunt didn't have to do it. He just kind of put his feet up back on the table and said, you got this, Pat. I'm going to take this week off. I'll see you next week when we go play the Niners. This team is is looking good. Pat Mahomes is looking tremendous. And he is in a place right now where he has – 10 touchdowns and 800. I mean, this is 582 yards already this season. 10 touchdowns and no interceptions did he throw against the Steelers on the road in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field when he threw 28 passes. He was 23 of 28. So not only did he have six touchdowns, he had no interceptions and his completion percentage was 82.1%. So with all of that being said, Mr. Sofka, I bring you into game number three. Could the young gun do it again against San Francisco? Yeah, absolutely. I look for the Chiefs to win in this one. I look for them to win pretty handedly, although I think there's going to be some points scored in this one. So there's going to be some fantasy value. Look, Patrick Mahomes is the great breakout story of 2018 already. 
He's on a horrendous pace, and, you know, I'm pretty sure he can keep this up. And last week, I think a sign of his growth was this is a guy who historically doesn't throw to the tight ends, hasn't, it never really did. But he's got one of the best tight ends. So it was encouraging to see Travis Kelsey getting involved in the mix. Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be the number one quarterback on my rankings this week. That's right, number one. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is not bad because Kansas City's defensive secondary is relatively weak. He's a bottom-end quarterback one at number 10 on my ranking. You know, if it was me and I was the coach of the San Francisco 49ers, I would get Matt Breda and I would say, look, we're going to run you really bad. We're going to run you a lot. We're going to run you like every play. Our goal is to keep Mahomes off the field. Matt Breda checking in at number 20 this week, still in a little bit of a timeshare, but I think he's the he's the solid guy. He's the guy you want, and he's number 20 on my rankings. The Chiefs, wow. The Chiefs are just loaded everywhere, and you got to go with Kareem Hunt. He's an, he's an RB1. He's a number nine on my rankings this week. Spencer Ware really hasn't had any touches, and that's really surprising to me. I thought they would get him involved in the mix. This is a guy who just over a year ago was considered the starter going into the season. So that's really alarming. I look for them to somehow, some way, start to get him involved in the action. Tyreek Hill, this guy's incredible. He's the fastest guy in the NFL. Uh, I think him and, and, and Breda are in some sort of tussle over the moniker Cheetah. You know how Fitzpatrick and Minka Fitzpatrick are, are battling. Minka Fitzpatrick got the trademark for uh, its magic. Well, I think there's going to be a trademark war for the cheetah here. Tyreek Hill lashing out at Breda on Twitter saying that there's only one cheetah in the NFL, and that's him. And, you know, I'm such an old guy. I thought he was saying cheater, and I was looking to New England. I was trying to figure out the connection there, but he was saying cheetah. But, you know, the receivers, Tyreek Hill, I, I would love to have this guy. Travis Kelsey, top top tight end. I, I think he's a top tight end. Second only to Gronk, but Gronk didn't look too good last week. Look for him to bounce back this week. I got Travis Kelsey number two, and I like Kittle. I like George Kittle. I liked him a couple years ago as, as a dark horse, as a sleeper guy, as a dynasty and keeper guy, and here he is paying dividends. My number six tight end on the rankings this week. So a lot of fantasy points this week, lots of action in this game. I'm really looking forward to this, but I think the Chiefs win. Yeah, I, I got the Chiefs in this one winning this game. I, this is going to be exciting for me. I'm excited to see it. I can't wait to see this. I, I mean, this this is going to be a good game. This is a game that you definitely want to watch. You got Jimmy G and Pat Mahomes, and who would have thunk that Pat Mahomes would be as good as he is right now? I didn't bet against him when people were like, ah, I don't know if I want to draft him in fantasy. I didn't go that far, but I definitely wasn't sitting here going, yeah, I'm going to take this guy, and he's going to be my starter every week, and this, that, and the other. He is in, he's been insane the first couple of weeks. If he keeps this up, then he is, the, the team is a dark horse. The Kansas City Chiefs will emerge as a dark horse. Keep in mind that Denver is also 2-0 in the AFC West, and they won both of those games close at home. Who would have known if they would have won it on the road? They haven't been on the road yet, but they beat the Seahawks, so they beat the Raiders. The Seahawks can't wait to get back home to the 12th man as they are 0-2 to start the season. But to get to San Francisco and the fantasy value of this, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in for me as a mid-range 
quarterback two in this week. Matt Breda, definitely a running back one to me in this week, coming off of what? Now, again, he did that against Detroit, but we know that Kansas City hasn't played a ton of defense, so I like Matt Breda in this. Alfred Morris, I would look to him if they're going to really try to run the ball and bounce it back and forth. Alfred Morris could be a flex guy for you. I still see him as a low end, too, because he hasn't done anything, and he's on one of my fantasy rosters. I'm not impressed. Outside of that, um, we look at Marquise Goodwin. Got to watch him on the injury report. But if he is good to go, he's somebody to look to. Uh, Dante Pettis, the, those guys, I, I still put them as court, as wide receiver threes. I'm not sold on them for the game. Garrett Selleck, the old man, he got it done this past week. He got a ch- touchdown. George Kittle did not. But I, I would say if there's anybody you're going to play on San Francisco, it's Matt Breda, maybe Alfred Morris as a handcuff, or maybe him in a flex-type position because of Kansas City's lack of defense as far as allowing points to be scored. But on Kansas City, it's Pat Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. If you have a Spencer Ware or a Sammy Watkins, only if you need to. There is going to come a time where one of them is going to break free. I think this might be the week that Spencer Ware breaks free for something. But in my opinion, if it's who I'm saying stamp on it, If I'm putting my stamp of approval, it's Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill. I agree with Mike. I've said this during the week. I've said it recently in a conversation. Tyreek Hill is is the fastest. No one's even close. He's the fastest person in the NFL. Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Pat Mahomes. Holy Mahomes. I love it. I think it's, you know, it's it's just, you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to trademark it now, Mike. So, so write down today's date, September 20th, 2018. It is 11 o'clock on the dot. Write this down because I'm copywriting this. If Pat Mahomes continues to do everything he's doing and skyrocket his stats and have and, and be good on his completion percentage, not throw a lot of interceptions and consistently throw touchdowns, then I'm going to have... Uh, I'm going to have a name for him going off of, of Home Alone, and it's going to be Mahomes Alone, and that's going to mean that Pat Mahomes is a top everybody in the quarterback region of fantasy by himself. So write it, copyright it today. Mahomes Alone is going to be my thing if he keeps it going, and I hope he does. I like it. They could take a picture of him up close with his hands on both cheeks, making a big, oh, you know, <laughs> you know that'd be great. I I like it. I say you take it and run with it. I like it. All right. Mahomes alone. I'm taking it. It's mine. It belongs to nobody else. So, you know, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. They're going to make things fun because the Jaguars are doing their thing. The Patriots look a little bit shaky coming out of that game. And there's a lot of, you know, there's yelling on the sideline. There's a book coming out soon. Kind of interesting stuff going on. We'll get to that. The Oakland Raiders against the Miami Dolphins. My buddy Jason Lucas is going to be losing his mind in this game because he's a Dolphins fan and his wife is a Raiders fan. And so he cheers on the Raiders so that he doesn't get in trouble with the wife. This game, he's going to be schizophrenic, I think. What do you think about this one? Well, you know, traditionally when left coast teams come to the East Coast and play one o'clock games, it doesn't go well. Well, this is the Raiders, and they just brought in John Gruden and paid him a ton of money, like $10 million a year, $100 million on a 10-year contract. They're going to Miami for the 1 o'clock game. So what has changed? Nothing. They're going to get blown out in this one. And worse yet, it's by the Dolphins. The Raiders just can't seem to get it going. 
Derek Carr, I think he has one touchdown with 591 yards. I mean, the yards are all right, but they're not scoring. Defense isn't stopping people. You know, they're on the news going, I don't understand. We can't rush the passer. Well, you just let Khalil Mack walk out the door. Well, and now you wonder why you can't rush the passer? The Raiders, you're a wreck. It's going to take a while. Maybe when you move to Vegas, you'll put it all on black and bet it one time, and hopefully you'll you'll get paid. Look, in this game, you're going to take some starters on both sides. There's not going to be a ton of fantasy points. It's going to be a sloppy, bad, badly played football game, in my opinion. You know, I, I, I don't think you can take Derek Carr. He's a number 25 quarterback on my ranking. And Ryan Daniel, not much better. He's a number 18 quarterback on my ranking. So not a lot of good quarterback play fantasy wise and you know what running back wise you think the beast would go into beast no i haven't really seen beast mode much this year i haven't seen much of anything from the raiders this year you know and the flip side on the flip side looking at the running back for miami it, well, you know what let, let, let me go back a little bit let me digress hey you know Marshawn Lynch is worthy of being out there as number 19 quarterback on my rankings this week. But, you know, I don't even know if he's going to get that high. That's almost generous on my part. And Kenyon Drake, he's the guy you want to have in this game. He's the one guy who can run the ball on either team. I got him as the number 16 running back, not much higher than Marshawn Lynch. So, Again, it's it's kind of wishy-washy. It's kind of bittersweet. It's kind of mediocre. It's kind of meh. You know, like I could do better. See, a lot of people would be would be happy with that. Well, there's 32 teams, and my guy's halfway up the chart. No, you don't want to be halfway up the chart. You want to be halfway up the chart in your league size. So that's what a lot of people don't understand. Well, he's a top 10 guy. Well, that's great. He's top 10. You're in an eight-man league. Now what? You know what I mean? It doesn't do you any good. If you're a, if you're a 12-man league, you want all your guys to be in the top 12. That's why you draft. That's why you listen to us. That's why you follow my waiver wire advice. That's why you win. And if you're not winning, you may want to look in the mirror and check yourself and make sure you're doing things that promote winning. You know, it's easier said than done, I know, but you can do it. You can do it by putting a guy like Kenny Stills out there. He's my number 21 receiver this week. He's the one sole bright spot that's come out of nowhere for Miami. And as far as Oakland goes, I don't know if I can count on Amari Cooper. I don't know. I, I I haven't seen any real big connections with Jordy Nelson. I don't see a lot. The one guy who's doing something is Jared Cook. Jared Cook is a number eight tight end. Now, I'm excited to see Mike Gusecki on the other side of the ball, but I really haven't seen much of that. And as far as the Miami receivers, well, Devontae Parker's been hurt. Kenny Stills is that one guy. So I think if there's some value, it's in Kenny Stills, it's in Kenyon Drake, and maybe Marshawn Lynch. Not a lot of fantasy points in a sloppy game that's going to be won by Miami. Yeah, I got Miami in this one as well. I, I don't I don't think that the Oakland Raiders, I mean, they haven't looked great. And like you said, and I and this is another conversation I just had. Khalil Mack, why? What? And, and, and allegedly, John Gruden never sat down with him one time. One time. Never sat down. It was a power move. Never sat down with him one time. To, to some people, he was regarded as the greatest 
option in the entire NFL draft a few seasons ago of every single position put together in a giant basket, he was the best player in the draft, Khalil Mack. One of the best pass rushers. What he's done in Chicago is make Chicago look like Chicago again. Chicago hasn't had a good defense in a very long time. It's been egregious. It's been disgusting, distasteful. It's been wrong. It's been so long since Chicago has done anything. And Khalil Mack goes there and all of a sudden, look at what he's doing. But the Oakland Raiders, what do they say? Hey, we got two number one picks. They're stupid. We're going to have drafts in the future. You're not winning right now. It doesn't look good right now. Like you said, maybe they're going to Vegas and betting it all on black. But right now, black is not coming up. It's not coming up that way. I'm seeing red when I'm seeing the Oakland Raiders. I'm not seeing a team that has it together. I know that Chucky is trying to make it happen and do what he's got to do. And bless his heart, he endorsed the show. I got to interview him and speak with him. And I like being around John Gruden. But I would ask him if I was around him right now, what was the deal with getting rid of Khalil Mack? It kind of makes me feel like Seinfeld. What's the deal? I mean, that's where I get to in this moment. So who do I like in this game? Derek Carr? Eh, not really. Not a big fan of of Derek Carr in this matchup. Amari Cooper is underwhelming. Jordy Nelson has been underwhelming. Marshawn Lynch, she does a few things here and there, but he doesn't catch out of the backfield. He's a true running back. So if I'm going to put anybody, Marshawn Lynch, I'd say a low-end running back too. Not really fond of anybody else on the offense. Maybe Jared Cook. Maybe Jared Cook is a tight end too because in an emergency situation on the road, that's where Derek Carr may go to. On Miami's side of things, Kenyon Drake, not a bad play out there. Kenyon Drake in this game, I think he can do some good things. Kenny Stills, I like Kenny Stills in the game. And, I mean, I think Miami's going to win it, but fantasy value, I don't see a ton of it for either team in this matchup. Derek Carr, to me, I just, in this match, maybe maybe a quarterback too. I don't see too much going on here. So, so Mike, for those of us that are, that are playing the home game here. You and I have been through a few games right here, and you are you just took the Dolphins, and I am also taking the Dolphins in this matchup, and we will continue to do that. And just so everybody knows, our picks go up. My picks, Mike's picks, as well as Jordan and John's, every single week go up on the website. You go to wakeupcalldt.com. Under the Fantasy Football tab, it says NFL Predictions. It's as simple as that. Or you can go to wakeupcalldt.webs.com backslash NFL-predictions, and you're going to find it there too. The NFL, And we put links on Facebook and Twitter. You can check out our NFL predictions for every single game, every single week. And in green are the ones that we got correct, and obviously the ones that are in white are the ones that are incorrect. So we both chose the Dolphins in this one. Before we take our final fast break of the show, Mike, let's – Let's get another one in here, and that's going to be Cincinnati and Carolina. What do you think about this one? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. I definitely like Cam because Cam likes him some Cam. You've heard me say that again, but it's the truth. You know, I think Carolina is going to win simply because they have the home field advantage. I think this is a balanced attack, but, you know, Bengals are without a, a key component here, and I'll get to that in a second. But I like Cam Newton as a number three quarterback this week. You know, this is a guy who can run it in. Oh, and last week he threw for 300 yards. I think he has that capability again this week. I think he has those type of numbers in him. I think you're going to get a couple touchdowns out of him. Now, ironically, you're going to ask yourself, who is he throwing the ball to? 
Well, it's McCaffrey, easy head son, number 10. Number 10 on my rankings this week, that is Christian McCaffrey. If you're in a PPR league, he's up a little higher than that. So an RB1 on either side. And you know what? Joe Mixon is dinged up. So this is going to be the Giovanni Bernard show. They're going to bring Mark Walton, the rookie. They're going to bring him into the fold. I'm anxious to see what he can do. But I'm really anxious to see what the other quarterback's going to do, Andy Dalton. This is a guy who one minute he looks like a world beater. The next minute he looks like the world beat him. Andy Dalton, my number 23 quarterback on the road in Carolina this week. I think the Carolina secondary is going to step up and make life difficult for him. They're going to make life difficult for him running the ball as well because, well, let's face it. Joe Mixon's not there. They don't have another Joe Mixon unless Mark Walton steps on the field and starts tearing it up, which I don't think that's going to be the case because I think he would have already been on the field and already have been tearing it up. You know, I'm real excited, though, to see A.J. Green, consummate professional, always up there. He's always a wide receiver one every time he steps on the field. John Ross, one of the fastest guys out there. You can't play him yet, but he's exciting to to, 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 to look at for the future, for dynasty, for uh, I, I keeper leagues, what have you. But you know what? Tyler Eifert is starting to come back a little bit, and I like that a lot. I like the fact that, you know, he's had a bunch of injuries. He's still a tight end, too, in my book, but this is a guy who can get it done. And you know what? Carolina's missing Greg Olson bad. They really don't have the guy there to take his place. Maybe it's an Ian Thomas, but I haven't really seen much there. So, you know, they're going to rely on those receivers. And the receivers they're relying on in Carolina, well, it's quite simple. Devin Funches is the number one receiver, but I don't think he's a true number one. DJ Moore looks good. If you're in a league that gives you return yards, they're trying to get the ball into DJ Moore's hands every time they can. So that's definitely a guy you want to look at, DJ Moore. Uh, Torrey Smith was sent there to stretch the field, and I think he's been doing that. He just hasn't really been showing out on his own, so I don't think you can play him yet either. So I think Carolina's going to win this one. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points in this game. I think it's going to be more defense. I think Cincinnati's going to have trouble moving the ball without Joe Mixon. Look for Carolina to win. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. I think there's going to be the opportunity for offense on both sides. And with Cincinnati at Carolina in the matchup, for me, you know, I think starting over on Cincinnati's side, I think that, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, A.J. Green, obviously Andy Dalton is doing a little bit better than I would anticipate he would do. I got him as a as a kind of like mid-range quarterback one. I don't want to say he's a high-end one in this one, but I don't think that Carolina's defense really poses too much of a threat. So I do like Andy Dalton in this game, and he has he has done some good things recently here. And with Joe Mixon going down here and out for week three with a knee injury, that leaves the, the door wide open for this team to pass the ball more than they run it, in my opinion. Tyler Boyd did some good things. So I would say Boyd is a wide receiver too. A.J. Green, obviously a one. Andy Dalton, I would look to him to be a mid-range one, maybe a little bit higher. And then on Carolina's side, Cam Newton, Mike and I have echoed each other's sentiments about Cam Newton. We've both said separately that Cam Newton loves himself some Cam Newton. And when in doubt, Cam Newton calls his own number. 
So because we both said it on separate occasions, we both agree on it, and we both are here today saying it is no different. Cam Newton is Cam Newton. He will call his number when push comes to shove. And like I told you, the best option of any fantasy value on Carolina besides Cam Newton is Christian McCaffrey because he can run the ball, but he's not a true runner. He is a guy who can run and catch. And when you're a true runner like Jonathan Stewart, you get lost in the mix of a quarterback who likes to take off. Christian McCaffrey is that guy that he can dump a 2-yard 2, a 10-yard 2, a 70-yard 2. He'll find him somewhere in the field, and it's worked out in the second season for Christian McCaffrey. So I like Cam. I like Christian McCaffrey. I still like DJ Moore, but he's like a wide receiver 4 for me this week, and I'm not sold on Devin Funches. I'm going to go with Carolina because they're at home. So, Mike, before we take a step aside really quick here, I want to get your thoughts. So Jets and Browns, we both chose the Browns, correct? Yes. And then Saints and Falcons, you you chose Falcons, I chose Saints. Uh We both went Vikings, we both went Chiefs, we both went Dolphins, and in this one we're both going Panthers. Sounds right. All right, so we will take a step aside here for a fast break. We're airing our picks on the website live in the moment right now, so you'll be able to see them right after the show. And we will be back after this fast break listening to these great partners we have in Central and Upstate New York. And we will talk with you about the rest of Week 3 in the NFL in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? (laughs) So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying. In the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin. Because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. (laughs) Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to Canine Campground. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is proud to be both. 
It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt.com. DT, we're here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. The Fantasy Football Power Hour typically puts us over, and that's okay because you need to get the information on every single team, every single game, every matchup, every week, and that's always going to be here with you with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and myself, Dan Tatora of WakeUpCallDT.com. You can check out the Fantasy Football tab that has the Fantasy Football page you can click on and all the tabs underneath it that have rankings and predictions and a little bit of everything, the show archive and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast, and God bless you as always. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub and Penn and Trophy Center is how we bring you the Fantasy Football Power Hour, which always becomes the Power Hours here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. The next matchup that we have on the docket, as Mike and I are telling you who to play for fantasy, and at the same time, making our picks on our NFL prediction page, which you can see who's been right, who's been wrong. And the fact that there's been a tie each week means that we all have a record with two ties, which is pretty crazy as well. So you'll get to see that all on wakeupcalldt.com under the fantasy football tab. Click on NFL predictions. It's as easy as that. Or you can just click on it on Facebook at wakeupcalldt or Twitter at calldt when we post it. Colts at Eagles. Mr. Sofka. Andrew Luck is back. He kind of sometimes looks okay. And the Eagles are coming off of a loss to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who thinks that he's an 80s pimp. What do you think about this one? Yeah, well, this should be the return of Carson Wentz. I think that uh, they eased him back in, gave him the first couple weeks off. They want to, you know, no sense rushing the franchise back. 
you know, especially when you had Nick Foles. But Nick Foles wasn't the Nick Foles of the playoff run in the Super Bowl of last year. He hasn't really been getting it done. But, you know, Carson Wentz, I think he's going to be okay. I got him as a high-end quarterback one. And on the other side of the coin, I got Andrew Luck, similar situation, just back from long-term injury. And, you know, I, I he's right there with Carson Wentz quarterback this week so I look for a mid-level number of points to be scored in this game the total is around 48 that's about right for most NFL games I, I gotta like Philly in this one though because I think team-wise they're just a better overall team I mean when you look at who they have although Jay Ajayi is dinged up this week not sure if he's gonna play Darren Sproles the old man also dinged up a bit not sure how much action he's gonna see this week we could see a healthy dose of Corey Clement so he may not be available but if he is go out there and get him play him in daily this week it's possible we could see an appearance by Wendell Smallwood as well you know and on the other side of the ball I I, I wish I could say that Marwin Mack is tearing it up or that Jordan Wilkins took advantage of Marwin Mack being out you know, I, I don't really think you can count on any of those guys. I don't really like any of the running backs in this game for much in fantasy this week. Maybe a Corey Clement as a as a flex, maybe as a as a low end RB three, and definitely a daily fantasy play for some value. You know, wide receivers where the money's at right now. You know, you got T. Y. Hilton. He's always the number one tight end in in Indianapolis. Tight end, wide receiver in Indianapolis, but he's only number. 14 on my list this week and you would think well that's because Philly's defense well Ryan Fitzpatrick lit them up last week I just haven't seen that yet from T.Y. and Andrew Luck I have confidence it's there and it may be there in this game it's just I haven't seen it yet so T.Y. checks in at number 14 and you know the receivers around him, Ryan Grant, seems to have a lot of upside. People are excited about him. And Eric Ebron, the touchdown tight end. If you're in a touchdown-only league, that's the guy you want. If you're in a weird-scoring yardage-only league, well, Doyle's the guy you want. So they're kind of splitting things. They're number 12 and 13 on my tight end rankings this week. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, though, that hurts. Zach Ertz is the number one tight end. I thought we'd see a little more Dallas Godert by now, but we haven't really seen that yet. He has the capability. He has the size. He could be a red zone target, just not yet. And I don't know who else to play in this one. I think it's just going to, I think it's going to be the Eagles bouncing back. I think they're going to have a home victory. I think it's going to be good for Carson Wentz and look for both of these teams to try to kind of build on something to continue on the mend as their leaders of their teams, their quarterbacks are able to get back into full swing of things. But look for the Eagles to get the home victory. Yeah, you know, the Eagles, they got a good they got a good backup quarterback. He won a Super Bowl, Nick Foles, and they obviously are very excited and have been anticipating the return of Carson Wentz since before all this stuff went down in the Super Bowl and even before that. So, you know, in this matchup you know, if anything happens, God forbid that Nick Foles is there. And with Carson Wentz and what Carson Wentz is able to do, there's a lot of positives to say about him. I mean, he could be rusty coming back, but he's one of those quarterbacks that I like. So, you know, in the sense of what he can do, and he's not one of the ones I worry about 
when he come when he's coming back into this thing. You know, they say this guy's got to knock the rust off. This guy's got to do this and do that. Carson Wentz is one of those guys that I think can come back and can play well and throw a couple touchdowns in a game, throw three touchdowns in a game, and and make it happen. So I give him some credit. I know that fans are extremely happy to have him back. Injury-wise, to take a look at the Indianapolis Colts, the road team first, there's a lot of receivers on the injury report, but the guys you got to look at are T.Y. Hilton with a quad injury, Jack Doyle with a hip injury, and Marlon Mack with a hamstring injury. None of them practiced on Wednesday. And then as far as the Philadelphia Eagles go, Mike brought it up. The Philadelphia Eagles, Jay Ajayi, as he has a back injury, didn't practice on Wednesday. Elshon Jeffrey was limited with a shoulder injury on Wednesday. And we uh, Darren Sproles' hamstring injury did not practice. So in this matchup, in my opinion, on what you should look at for fantasy value, I'm not sold on Andrew Luck. I think there's going to be some inner interceptions thrown, at least one interception thrown in this game. Jordan Wilkins, I think that they're going to they're gonna key in on Jordan because he hasn't taken full advantage. He hasn't done extremely well. And despite the way they played against Tampa, Philly's supposed to have a pretty good defense. So, they, you know, the key word is supposed to, but they did win a Super Bowl. They did return the, some of those guys, obviously. So if T.Y. Hilton's healthy to play, I'd look to T.Y., but I don't have him as a high-end one this week. I don't like any other wide receiver on there. That's why he's not a high-end one, because they can cheat over his way and watch him. And then as far as the running backs, when it comes to when it comes to the Colts, Jordan Wilkins, I think they're going to key in on him. I think Naheem Hines, who came out of NC State, and I had the opportunity of covering him when he was in college with my ACC coverage. I think that he may not have a lot of yards, but he may have a touchdown in this game. If you have to dig deep, if somebody got hurt and you have to go for someone, he could be a flex guy for you. But I'm not a big fan outside of T.Y. Hilton for anybody on the Indianapolis Colts in this matchup. As far as Philadelphia goes, I like Carson Wentz in this game. I like Corey Clement because Corey Clement has been able to score in the first couple weeks, even with Jay Ajayi out there. So I do like Corey Clement. I have picked him up, and I do think he's worth it. I like Nelson Aguilar in the game as well, and I would consider Kamar Aiken. Consider him. I, I have a feel he might get looked at a little bit, especially if Elshon Jeffries out, but Nelson Aguilar would be the next man up, so I feel good about those guys going into this. Aguilar, Clement, and Wentz with an outside look at Kamar Aiken if you have to go get somebody and you have to, you know, take a kind of roll the dice on a player this week. Packers at the Redskins. What do you think about this one? Yeah, this should be a good game. This should be a good game for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if Indianapolis was able to basically blank the Redskins and make, you know, Indianapolis look like they're fully back to Peyton Manning's Super Bowl days, you know, this is something that Aaron Rodgers can take advantage of even while he's hobbled by the knee injury. He's my number five quarterback this week. And, you know, for Washington, well, I wish they had a quarterback that ranked that high. Alex Smith, Alex Smith, number 19 quarterback on my rankings. I'm not sure that they're able to put things together, even though Adrian Peterson's been able to get things done there. You know, it's been the passing that's been, you know, deficient. Adrian Peterson looks pretty good. He's a number 17 running back on my rankings. And this should be the week Aaron Jones comes back. But, you know, he's he's been 
you know, told that he's going to be the number two guy behind Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams. So it should be an opportunity for these guys to to step up, hopefully, and we could see Aaron Jones for the first time this year. You know, receiver-wise, I, I, I think you definitely got to give the edge to the Packers. You know, I, I, I like Devontae Adams. He's a low-end wide receiver one for me. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not sure they have Geronimo Allison who can really make an impact for you, maybe as a wide receiver three or, or in a deeper league of four. Randall Cobb seems to be able to bust a big play every time he touches the ball. The key is getting him the ball. And then Jimmy Graham's kind of all but disappeared in the regular season. He looked pretty good in the preseason, but I think that connection's starting to come back for him and Rodgers. I got him as the number five tight end looking at what Indianapolis was able to do out of the tight end position last week. And, you know, as far as the Redskins go, Jordan Reed is still healthy. And that's a big plus. Jordan Reed is the guy you want on the field when he's healthy. He's my number four tight end. And for Washington, the receivers, Jamison Crowder might be the guy, but he's right way down. He's like my number 30 receiver this week. So I don't know if you can count on a receiver from the Redskins until Alex Smith and those receivers start to make an impact and start to show me something. They're all kind of downgraded. I look for Green Bay to go into Washington and win this game. Yeah, I'm going to say Green Bay winning this game as well in in Washington. Washington did little to nothing when the Colts came to visit them. And, it, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, this week two game, you know, the Colts, who I don't think have been playing great football, and I don't really find them to be a threat in the AFC South as of right now. You know, when we look at the matchup that they had most recently – when they went on the road and played in Washington. Washington only amounted nine points against the Colts. And I think Green Bay, you know, even though their defense is not really there, they do have a strong offense and they have some good things to put forward. So, you know, as Mike said, Aaron Jones with the opportunity to come back now, you know, they haven't figured out really what the hell they're doing running the ball. Aaron Rodgers' knee MCL didn't practice on Wednesday, but we know that he played in this last game. So as long as he is good to go, he is worth the play, obviously, for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, I like. I like Devontae Adams. I like the potential of Randall Cobb or Geronimo Allison. If I had to put my feet to the fire, I think Allison's going to score a touchdown in this, Geronimo Allison. And I think Devontae Adams is your best bet at the wide receiver position. You should know that already. Aaron Rodgers, I like. Jimmy Graham, I told people, I'm not sold on him. I haven't liked him since he left New Orleans, and that still hasn't changed. I'm not sold on Jimmy Graham. You know, maybe he'll go and get a touchdown in Washington because it seems easier to play Washington and do that stuff, but I'm just, I'm not sold on him. As far as Washington goes, I like Chris Thompson. The man is a running back and a wide receiver. He led the team in receiving this past week. I like Chris Thompson. It's an easy one for me. Adrian Peterson looked like he did when he went to the Saints, and he was garbage. 1.8 yards a carry this past week. I don't think he's going to do well in this game. I don't think he's going to be big in this game. I look to Jamison Crowder. I look to, as a flex guy, I look to Doxson as a flex guy, and I look to Chris Thompson as a guy who's worthy of being one of your running backs in the grand scheme of things because he is a running back and a wide receiver. That's how I look at it. I'm picking Green Bay to win the matchup. Next one up we have are the Titans at the Jaguars. Last year, when the Jaguars went on to win 12 games on the season and multiply their, multiply their total 
from the season before to last season by four, from three wins to 12 wins, and a shot at the Super Bowl. The One of the games they lost in was at home against those pesky Tennessee Titans. So the Jaguars, who had a very, very, very strong season last season, did have a loss at home to Tennessee, and that was 37-16. to They didn't get blown out like that by really anybody. That was a 21-point loss. What do you think about it this time around, Mike? Yeah, well, Tennessee is arguably Jacksonville's biggest rivalry going back to the days of the 90s. You know, Jacksonville basically went undefeated one year with three losses. All three losses, including the AFC Championship game, which I attended, was to the Titans. And it's disappointing, you know, when you have those results. But, you know, the the, the worm has turned now, and it looks like Jacksonville's team with the advantage. You know, even though Tennessee has a highly touted quarterback from a few years ago, Marcus Mariotti, has been dinged up and hurt. They're not even sure if he's going to play this week again. Uh, you know, I think he is going to play. He's a low, low, lowly ranked quarterback going up against Jacksonville. Even Tom Brady struggled a little bit. So, uh, you know, you can't play Marcus Mariota again, even if he's healthy. You just you, you can't do it. You know, and on the other side of the ball, I think Blake Bortles has a better opportunity. But, again, he's a mid-level quarterback for me. He's number 16 on my ranking. So, I'm sure there's better options out there. But, you know, you can't argue with the success he's had. He had kind of a coming out party against New England. That could be a career-defining moment, so we'll see how he continues to build off that. You know, running-wise, Leonard Fournette's supposed to be back this week, still dealing with the ham- hamstring strain. You know, they're going to ease him back in, so they're going to probably limit his touches, although they won't say that. He comes in as the number 15 running back on my rankings because of that. Derrick Henry hasn't been able to do much on the other side of the ball. It's been mostly Deion Lewis. If you have Deion Lewis and you're in a PPR league, that's the preferred play. Both those guys are ranked in the in the low 20s to 30 range on my rankings, so I don't think you can really re- rely on either one of them much more than a RB3 or a flex possibility with the lean toward Deion Lewis. And, uh, you know, right, right receiver-wise, Keelan Cole, what a catch last week, Odell Beckham Jr. style. He's just a wait, 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 Keelan Cole style. Continue. Okay, <laughs> Keelan Cole style, and and, and and you know he's building on what the Jags believed in when 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 Marquise Lee went down. They knew he had it in him to step up and be the number one guy. And, and he has, you know, we, we've seen him make a conservative effort to get the ball into DJ Chark, to D.D. Westbrook, to Dante Moncrief. But the guy who has shined has been Keelan Cohen. And he's, he, you know, deservedly so. He comes in as a number 28 receiver. You know, he hasn't shined where he's an elite receiver yet, but he did have a coming out party, a breakout game against the Patriots with Blake Bortles, number 28 on my rankings this week. They're waiting for Corey Davis to show up, but a lot of that has to do with the quarterback woes they're, they're having in Tennessee. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to have a good receiver. It's just the way it goes. Corey Davis, still, you can't really play this guy unless it's an emergency situation. He's more of a wide receiver four or five on my rankings here. And tight end-wise, Austin Severian Jenkins may get a touchdown here. He's not a big yardage guy, number 17 on my touchdown rankings. And, you know, on the other side of the ball there, you know, I'd like to say, 
that, you know, Tennessee has it going on, but, you know, I haven't seen much. Haven't seen much since Delaney Walker went down. It was supposed to be Janu Smith. We'll see what happens. I don't think you can count on a tight end from Tennessee. Look for the Jaguars to win big in this game and follow up on that big victory they had last week against New England. The Jaguars, folks. Last season, they played the Tennessee Titans in Week 2 at home. This season, it's Week 3 at home. So they have them at home in a three-game home stint. They started off at the Giants, then were home at the game that I was on on site on location covering the Patriots game, first game at home of the season. That was their homecoming. Then they have the Titans this weekend. Then they have the Jets before they eventually will go back onto the road. So... This three-game home stint right in the middle are the Titans. The Titans found a way to get them last time. Here's the thing that's crazy. The Titans won the game, but Blake Bortles, Leonard Fournette, and Alan Hearns, who was on the team back then, they were the leaders in the entire game. So no Tennessee wide receiver, running back, or quarterback led in this game. All of those numbers offensively went to Jacksonville, even though Tennessee won the game by 21 Points. So the Jacksonville Jaguars in this matchup, got to let you know about what's going on on the injury report. There's a bunch of guys. Uh, Brandon Wilds has an illness. You probably won't see him if Leonard Fournette's coming back, though. Austin Safarian Jenkins has an abdomen injury, didn't practice on Wednesday. He brought it in this game. He blamed the interception on himself. It's the only one that Blake Bortles threw. You heard my interview with him and his very nice Christian mouth that he had. To, no, I'm kidding. So I, I shouldn't say Christian... He has, he has somewhat of a potty mouth, and I realized that very quickly in my first conversation ever with him after the Patriots game, as he was not happy about the Patriots, nor was he happy about the fan base around it and just the thoughts on the game. So, And you got to remember, folks, he played the Patriots two times a season when he was a Jet. TJ Yeldon has an ankle injury, didn't practice on Wednesday, and then Leonard Fournette has a hamstring injury, limited practice this past Wednesday. So watch all those. Cam Robinson, the offensive tackle on the left side, he is on injured reserve after tearing his ACL in that game. So taking his place will be probably James Madison's Josh Wells, who's in his fourth season in the NFL. He filled in for Cam Robinson for the majority of the game, and you wouldn't even know that Cam Robinson wasn't there that's how well Josh Wells played so big shout out and congratulations to Josh Wells as this team you know this Jacksonville Jaguars team the next man up approach if I could tell you anything Doug Marone went through like 20 injuries in one of his seasons he lost damn near every defensive back all this stuff happened all this stuff went down and he still found a way to bring this team, and yeah, they struggled and they had their moments, but in four seasons he went to two bowl games and pushed the team to do something that they hadn't done in a very long time, let alone twice in just a, in just a few seasons and win those games, mind you. So with that being said, the next man up approach is in full effect and they got the right coach to handle that. On Tennessee's side, it might be the next man up approach because Blaine Gabbert did better things than Marcus Mariota, dare I say it. And we might see Blaine Gabbert play up against Blake Bortles, the guy who was supposed to be the franchise quarterback versus the guy who is trying to work his way into being that franchise quarterback that just got an extension but maybe will have an even bigger contract if he takes care of business this season. So I don't like the quarterbacks on Tennessee. Derrick Henry, 
not sold on this. Because they struggle throwing the ball, they could stack the box and get after Derrick Henry. Rashard Matthews, Corey Davis, I don't like anybody on Tennessee to play in this game. I like Jacksonville's defense and special teams. I like Blake Bortles as a high-end quarterback, too. Leonard Fournette is a, is a high-end running back, too, low-end one if he plays. TJ Yeldon is a mid-range one to me because I think he can do some good things. I like Keelan Cole and Dante Moncrief in the game. And if you need flex, you need to go out and get somebody. D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark may be out there. Not bad guys to throw on the team just to see what they got because this ball is going to be spread around against Tennessee. But I like Moncrief and I like Cole in the game. And Austin Safarian Jenkins, if he's healthy, could be worth the play. I have him as a low-end one, high-end two in this matchup. Next one we got up, and and Mike, we're both picking the Jaguars, I think it's fair to say, right? Yes. Okay. Chargers at the Rams, the battle for L.A. Who's winning this one? Yeah, I definitely think it's the Rams. I, I like the Chargers, but, you know, the Rams are just a juggernaut. They're a buzzsaw. I don't see how the Chargers can get past them with the way they've been playing anyway. And Melvin Gordon might be a little bit dinged up. There's a lot to be discovered in this game here. And, you know, you got to wonder, can they fill the stadium? <laughs> Both L.A. teams here, they're, they have trouble Filling the place, I I I don't think they're going to fill the stadium, and I don't think it's going to be an issue. Even though it's at the Memorial Coliseum, it's a big place. I I think it's going to be all Rams, and rightfully so. Up and down the roster, they're just solid. They're, I mean, Jared Goff. Some people say, well, maybe it's the talent around him, and, and I can see that point because there's a ton of talent around him, and I got him at great as the number seventeen quarterback this week. You can do better, you can do worse, but look, he's still a young quarterback, and he's not losing you games. He's being asked to distribute the ball to the playmakers, and that's what he's doing. Why put so much pressure on the quarterback? Why put so much pressure on a guy to win the game when you got all this other talent you can spread the ball around and make everybody better? And that's what they're doing in Los Angeles with the Rams. You know, you go to the other side of the coin there, you go with the Chargers, and it's all Phillip Rivers. But, you know, going up against this Rams defense that's so solid, they can get after you. They got good linebackers. They got an excellent secondary. They can pressure the quarterback. The defensive front is one of the best in football. Phillip Rivers checks in as the number 22 quarterback this week, so there might be a better option out there for you. I had mentioned before that Melvin Gordon might be a bit dinged up. Still checking in as the number eight running back this week. And, you know, Todd Gurley is just the man. He's a number one or number two quarterback on my rankings this week, depending on PPR standards. So you're not going to go wrong with Todd Gurley there. And you know what? Watch out for Austin Eckler, too. They've been getting him some touches. So look for a guy like that to maybe round out your roster cheaply, maybe on daily or maybe a, a cheap flex option for you. You know, I got him ranked as the number 38 running back this week. So I, I like I like what he's able to contribute. And, and look for... Look for the receivers here. The receivers have been big for both teams. Keenan Allen is is a number 15 receiver on my rankings this week. And Brandon Cook's number 13 on my rankings this week. And, you know, you're looking at both these teams. Mike Williams is a guy to really keep an eye on. High draft pick from a couple years ago. Got injured. Tyrell Williams stepped in, did a yeoman's job, picked up the pace. But 
the roles are getting flipped and they're reversing here. Tyrell Williams back on his way down. Mike Williams back on his way up. So there's a guy for you. If he is still available in your league, that's a guy you want to target. I just can't highly rank him yet, uh, you know, especially in this game. And, you know, looking at the Rams, how can you forget Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup, number 29 receiver on my rankings. And then you follow that up with Robert Woods, number 31 on my rankings. So, you know, tight ends, not so much on either team for the Chargers. Hunter Henry went down. Virgil Green's been stepping it up, even with the presence of Antonio Gates, who has done literally nothing. And Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, I, I don't think you can count on either one of those guys. So the value is all in the running back and one or two receivers. And that's all you're going to get out of this game. But that's all you're going to need. I think it's going to be an average scoring game, but I think the Rams are going to win sizably. Yeah, I got the Rams in the battle for LA. I got the, you know, I think that their defense is very strong. Again, they had 900 wide receivers on the team, and they they did the opposite of Tennessee. They got rid of a bunch of that, and then they went and spent money and brought in a bunch of players to bolster up their defense. They already have Aaron Donald, so I like it. I'm going to start on the the visiting side as I always do. So for the Chargers in this game, I don't like Phillip Rivers in the matchup. Austin Eckler, if you need a flex guy, maybe a Keenan Allen out there. Melvin Gordon, watch to see his health, but I don't think he's going to have a good game. I like the Rams' defense and special teams in this one. I like Jared Goff in this game as a high-end quarterback, too. I like Gurley as a running back, one. I like Cooks. I like Woods. I like Cup in this game. I think everybody's going to have some fun. I don't look at the Chargers to play defense, so that's where we're at. We're going to run through these pretty quick, Mike. We got five more to go. Broncos at Ravens. What do you got? I'm sorry, you broke up there. What, which game's next? Broncos, Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I like this game a lot, but I like it for all the wrong reasons. I like it for the defense. I think that this is going to be a relatively low scoring affair because the Broncos can't seem to get things together. You know, I. <laughs> Case Keenum has four interceptions, and, and, and I'm not sure he's going to be the answer, at least until they get some production around him. And the production's been from the running backs, which has been surprising. But the Broncos are still 2-0, and so they're doing something right. But they're in Baltimore with that paralyzing defense. You know, it's amazing how some teams rebuild, and the Ravens just seem to reload on the defensive side. They always seem to have a solid defense. So I'm definitely going to go with the Ravens to win this game. You know, if you're looking for quarterback play, you're not going to find it in this game. You're not going to find outstanding quarterback play. Both quarterbacks are in the 20s, arguably QB2, maybe low-end, high-end QB3, running back-wise. Alex Collins seems to be the one bright guy, the one bright spot, but even he's downgraded a little bit against that defensive front they got from Denver. He's the number 21 running back. And, you know, ironically, the thing with Denver, everybody was waiting on Royce Freeman. We got to see Royce Freeman. Devontae Booker was going to be the starter. Devontae Booker is a distant memory. Royce Freeman was supposed to get the start, but it's been a Philip Lindsay who's been out touching the other two running backs and outperforming them as well. Phil Lindsay, number 25 on my rankings for running backs this week. And if they are able to get the ball to a Royce Freeman, he's number 40 on my rankings. So running back wise, there's some decent value there. There's some guys that, you know, you're going to get paid on for relatively a low price, especially in daily and then wide receiver. 
You know, the old Demarius Thomas, well, Emmanuel Sanders looks a lot better, especially this week. Emmanuel Sanders probably going to get the number two corner, so I like him better than Demarius Thomas this week. As a matter of fact, I like Emmanuel Sanders as the number 24 wide receiver, and Demarius Thomas as the number 38 wide receiver. And, you know, I haven't really seen Jeff Auerman or Jake Butt step up enough to warrant a play in this game. And Baltimore, well, Baltimore had an embarrassing riches at tight end, but Hayden Hurst is hurt. Mark Andrews has battled to get back. Max Williams has showed up, but you can't really start any one of those guys. Crabtree seems to be on the way down. John Brown seems to be the one guy who's stepping up a little bit, but Flacco's got to get him the ball. So there's not a lot of value wide receiver or tight end wise there. So look for Baltimore to win this game in a relatively low scoring affair. It's going to be all Ravens. Yeah. You know what? I'm picking the Broncos in this game. I'm going to, I'm going to give the Broncos some love here in this matchup and say that they're going to, they're going to make it happen. They're going to get it going in this game. They're going to go to three and Oh, in this matchup, I don't like Baltimore's defense. I, I just, I don't. So, you know, for me, Phillip Lindsay is uh, right, running back two. Royce Freeman is a high-end running back three. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, I look to put them out there in this matchup. This could be the game where Cortland Sutton gets his touchdown in his NFL first season. So I look to Cortland Sutton a little bit here. And then for the Baltimore Ravens on their side, Alex Collins in this matchup, I like him. I like John Brown because he's been able to score in his first couple weeks, so I do like that. But I don't think this is going to be a relatively crazy high-scoring game, and I do eventually believe that Lamar Jackson will do what I said should happen months ago, which is eventually take the job away from Joe Flacco this season. So you're going Broncos, I'm going Ravens. Giant? What? What'd you say? Hold up. I'm going Ravens. You're going Broncos. Oh, yeah. That's 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 what I meant. That's how I wrote it, Mike. I read it backwards today. I'm having a day. So so I'm going Broncos. You're going Ravens. And then Giants at the Texans. What do you got? Yeah, we're all waiting for Eli to show up, and it's just not happening. It hasn't happened yet. Both 0-2 teams. This is going to be a low-scoring game. I look for the Texans to win simply because they're at home and the Giants can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes. And, you know, I, I, I don't think you're going to have tremendous play out of the quarterbacks either side for what they're capable of doing. But I still rank Deshaun Watson as a low-end quarterback, one at number 11. And Eli's number 28 on my rankings. I mean, that defensive front in Houston is just going to be too much for them. And the Giants are having trouble blocking, even though they're supposed to be this rebuilt you know, phenomenon. It's, it's it's just not happening until it does. You can't count on it. Saquon Barkley is going to shoulder the load for the Giants. I got him as the number five running back this week. And Lamar Miller is not far behind. He's an RB2 at number 14. Dante Foreman still trying to get back into the fold. He's been banged up, so there's really not much behind Lamar Miller or Saquon Barkley on the bench to threaten to take any touches or carries or playtime. DeAndre Hopkins He's just a consummate professional. He's up there with A.J. Green and Julio Jones. This is an outstanding talent. DeAndre Hopkins, number five receiver on the rankings. Will Fuller looks to be climbing his way back, so hopefully that'll happen. Haven't really seen anything from the tight ends there. 
You know, I'm looking for a Ryan Griffin to step up, a, a Jordan Atkin to step up. I'm waiting for something to happen there, and I've seen bits and pieces, but you can't really start any tight end from that team. And on as far as the Giants go, you know you got Odell, but they got to get the ball to Odell. It's been spotty. I still got a vote of confidence in on Odell, number seven wide receiver this week. I'm not sure you can go with many other Giants at the wide receiver. Maybe a Sterling Shepard and a wide receiver four situation if you go that deep. And I like Evan Ingram. I think he's the better tight end on the field in this game. He's a number nine tight end this week. I look for the Texans to finally get their first win, and I look for the Giants to go 0-3. All right, that coming from Mike. We're going to go quickly through these last three games, but let me give you my thing really quick here. The Giants... Their only hope to anything is Saquon Barkley. The rush wasn't working against the Cowboys, so they threw it to him 16 times, almost twice as many times as they threw to Odell Beckham Jr. He caught 14 of them and had 80 yards to lead the team with Odell being a little bit more quiet. In this game, I think Odell is worth the play, though, because they're playing the Texans' defense, and I like Saquon Barkley in the game. That's all on the side of that. Evan Ingram, if he's healthy, I would look to him, but he is a mid-range tight end, too. I don't know if he's going to score this week. The Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, high-end quarterback, too. Not a bad play. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, the fifth, are both on the injury report for ankle and hamstring, respectively. If they're good to go, I do think they're worth the play. I'm going to go with the Giants on the road because I think Saquon's going to break for at least one, if not two touchdowns. Patriots at the Lions. We're going to run these quick. Matt Patricia is playing host to Bill Belichick, and Patricia hasn't been able to guard anything. What do you think about this? Yeah, this is the old student versus the teacher thing, and I think the teacher is going to win. You know, you know, it's kind of like what I taught my brother when he was growing up in athletics when he used to think he was uh, – you know, able to get at a point where he could beat me. Well, you know, I taught him everything he knows. I didn't teach him everything I know. And that's what Belichick has going for him. The coaching tree from Belichick doesn't do very well, but Belichick seems to continue to do very well. Tom Brady, number two quarterback on my rankings this week. Matt Stafford, number 12. Uh, running back-wise, you know, I, the, the Patriots need to find that one guy. They, they're trying desperately, so I don't think you can really start any of them. Maybe a James White is number 27. Uh, maybe a Rex Burkhead, number 31 on my rankings this week. And as far as the Lions go, the Lions are trying desperately to get something going in a running game. They want on Johnson. They want Theo Reddick. None of these guys are showing up yet. Amir Abdullah, where are these guys? What's going on? Who's running the ball? Nobody's running the ball. That's why they're having a problem, and that's why they're struggling. And, you know, a wide receiver-wise, Josh Gordon, the big hype train, he's there. Look for him to step on the field and stretch the field. Look for him to continue to stretch the field throughout the year. You know, the, yeah, he's new to the team, just got here a couple days ago. But you know what? He can run the route tree. He can fly. He can move. Even though he's dinged up that hamstring a little bit, look for him to get limited action. You can't really play him yet. I got to see it first. You know, maybe if you're feeling, you know, dangerous and you want to play him in daily, I, I can see that. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, the Lions, well, what do they have going for him? Golden Tate and Marvin Jones? Well, that's all fine and dandy if Matt Stafford can give him the ball. Matt Stafford, number 12 on my rankings this week. So I think that they're going to be able to get the ball 
in the hands of the receivers. Golden Tate, number 16 on my rankings. Marvin Jones, number 20. I think they're going to have to move the ball. And I think Detroit's going to have to counter. So I got a Kenny Galladay checking in at number 25. And, and you, you know, I'm excited to see some air. I'm excited to see some talent on the field airing it out. Chris Hogan, I expect to have a game, and I look for Gronk to have the biggest bounce-back game. Number one tight end on the rankings again this week, and you know what? Detroit wishes they had a guy like that. I look for the Patriots to go into Detroit and own the Lions in a high-scoring affair. Yeah, I'm going to go. <clears throat> I got a nice uh, little wager with, with Johnny on this one for a, a shirt of the team of my choosing. And so with this matchup, I'm going to go we're, really quick here. I'm picking the Patriots against the Lions, and your plays are Tom Brady, James White, Chris Hogan, and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, somebody's going to run on them because they all have. Sony Michelle, if he's healthy and ready to go, he's a guy to look at for flex. Or if you need, if there's an injury or something's going on and you got to play another running back, I got him as a low end too because he's playing – I'd have him as a three, but he's playing the Detroit Lions, and they let everybody run on him in the first couple weeks here. Matt Stafford, not a bad play. High-end quarterback, too, because I don't trust the secondary of the Patriots. I think there is going to be a lot of air it out in this game. I like Marvin Jones Jr. and Kenny Galladay if I had to choose between all of those receivers. And then uh, we're going to go to our Sunday night and Monday night really, really quick. Bears, Cardinals, what do you got? Yeah, Bears-Cardinals, I I like the Bears' defense. I mean, Khalil Mack is a terror. I think that's going to win them the game. I feel sorry for Sam Bradford. This may be the end of Sam Bradford relatively soon here. Look for the Bears to dominate this game. I look for them to win. I don't think Trubisky is going to light it up, number one, 21 quarterback. And, again, you can't count on Sam Bradford in this game. Uh, running back-wise, I, I think that the Bears have – the better running backs right now. I think that Jordan Howard, number 10 running back on my list. Tariq Cohen, if you're in a PPR, he's worthy of a running back too. Allen Robinson, he seems to be the one bright spot receiving-wise. Anthony Miller seems to be showing up, but I don't think you can count on either one of those guys for more than a wide receiver three. I like the flexibility with Trey Burton on the short shovel passes, the handoffs. I I think they're going to find exotic ways to get him involved. I think he's a uh, tight end two, and for Arizona, Arizona, their one guy is is having trouble getting the ball. David Johnson, they got to get him going. I like what Chase Edmonds brings, but they got to get David Johnson going. You got to get him the ball. You got to give him the ball in space. You got to let him run the game. You got to let him run the ball so he doesn't get any yards. Run it again. Run it again. Run it again. Well, they're not going to have that liberty against this Bears defense. The Bears defense is too tough for that. Look for them to throw the ball. Larry Fitzgerald, he's a he's a wide receiver, too, in this game for me. Christian Kirk trying to get involved. No real presence on the tight end position for the Arizona team. And I think that the Bears are going to win this game handedly in a low-scoring affair. I got the Bears in this one as well. We're going to go really quick here to round out the show. I think Anthony Miller is worth, he's a wide receiver three, he's worth a flex play for you. I think he's going to score in this game. He did get his first collegiate touchdown out of Memphis. 
He got the touchdown in week number two. I like him. I like Trey Burton in the matchup. I like Jordan Howard in this game as well. For Arizona, it's hard to say don't play David Johnson, so I'll put him down to a running back too, but he's playing up against a good Bears defense and special teams. I would consider playing the defense and special teams. Fitz did not practice with a hamstring injury. So Christian Kirk, it's not there yet. I do agree with Mike, and I did say earlier in the week, I think Josh Rosen's going to start sooner than later. That's when I think Christian Kirk is going to start to pop off, the, and I'm going to go with the Bears. Steelers at Bucks, very, very quick here. What do you got? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I got to kind of like Pittsburgh at home in this one, in a close one, but it's going to be a high-scoring affair. You can definitely play Ryan Fitzpatrick, number eight on my ranking. You definitely play Ben Roethlisberger, number four on my ranking. James Conner, number three running back this week. Tampa, not so much. Peyton Barber hasn't been able to get it done. He's a low-end running back, two for you. Ronald Jones is all, all but disappear. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a practice squad before long. And receiver-wise for Tampa, Mike Evans is having a Mike Evans year. Chris Godwin trying to get in the mix. If you're in a return yardage league, Adam Humphreys is a great guy to own. And O.J. Howard looked great. He's a low-end tight end one after that 75-yard touchdown run last week. And for the Steelers, wow. The Steelers, Antonio Brown, missing practice this week. Still the number one receiver on my board this week. And Juju Smith-Schuster looks like he's developing a presence. Vance McDonald and Jesse James seem to cancel each other out at all. Jesse James looked a little bit flashier. You can count on either one of those guys for a tight end, too, for you this week. I like Pittsburgh and a narrow one in Pittsburgh. Or in Tampa on Monday night. I'm going to go with the Bucks in this game. I like Fitz in the game. Well, let me go Let me go with the road team. So I like Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster on the other side of it. I like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. As always, Mr. Sofka, thank you for your time. Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. We'll talk with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Dan. That coming from Mike. And we'll be on here tomorrow. Wake up call with Dan Satora Friday. The annoying moment of the week proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt. Followed by significant sound bites, sound bites with my Q&As with the ACC coaches, the Atlantic Coast Conference. You will also hear from the matchup coaches, Dino Babers of Syracuse. And you'll hear from Randy Etzel of UConn in my Q&As with both of them. And we'll get into Collectible Corner with John Newman and Jordan Newman. God bless you all. I'll talk with you soon. Have yourselves a great day and enjoy football tonight.